Welcome to the Screamcast, episode 123. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Hey, Sean. Hey, everybody. Uh, BJ absent again this week. She was going to join us, and then she had some, like, important shit come down for work, and we all know that our jobs trump this goddamn podcast. Trump, 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 (laughs) Trump. Wait. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Did I really say Trump? See, I can Uh... can never use that word again. I can never use the word Trump again as, you know, as, as, you know, in a normal conversation, because now I just think about orange faced, uh, dead cat on the head, motherfucking, uh, asshole. My boy. My boy Donald Trump. What is that noise? What are you doing? Are you like popping open Uh, multiple beers? My Trump beer. We're gonna little, we're gonna need a lot of alcohol and marijuana to get us through the next four years. That's all I'm gonna say. Thank God it's well, legal here in uh in California. Although I guess we're not gonna be able to buy it in stores like until like 2018. It's just all this permitting and all this bullshit, all this tape, red tape that all these uh places need to go through. I, I was researching this, and uh, so the only way that I can get legal weed is if I get a still get a doctor's note and get a medical marijuana license and go to a... Yeah, it's, it's a lot of places, though. That's well, yeah, I... but it's weird. It's legal, but I still got to jump through, like, the doctor's note thing, even though it's legal yeah. because legally places can't sell it recreationally yet. But if you got an ounce on you, you know, you ain't going to get thrown in jail or waste tax dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's been Marijuana Talk with uh, Sean DeRegger. Thank you guys for listening. Pothead. I'm gonna. I actually haven't smoked it since college, but uh, I've only smoked marijuana one time. You believe that with, shit? But with the way everything's been going, with my freaking flat Earth dad and Trump as president, I may have to pick up the hobby. Token Sean. All right. Anyway, uh, I'm in a much better mood starting off this morning than I was last week. I apologize, everybody. Uh, Blu-rays and a bag full of pot. That's all we need, man. That's all I need in life. All right, here we go. Today we're going to be talking about, we're going to do what's on the doorstep. We're going to be talking about Black Christmas versus Black Xmas. It's still just called Black Christmas. It's Black Christmas, the, the remake, um, 2006. And then we will be talking about, uh, listing off our top 10 Blu-rays of 2016. And to join us in the latter half of the podcast, Brian Sauer will be making a glorious return. In just a little bit, but first, before all that goes down, before I pop a permanent boner for the rest of the night, uh, let's find out what's on her doorstep. Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. (laughs) All right, am I going first or you going first? You can go first, Sean. I want to hear what you have on your doorstep. Hey, all right. Uh, first thing we're talking about is, uh, the German Blu-ray for Strange Days. Oh my god. Um, hold on. I gotta grab it. I, I gotta hold on a second. It's all the way across the room. U.S. one's out of print, right? Is that what it the is? German one? No, 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 no. No, U.S. Oh, was there even a, a Blu-ray for Strange Days ever in the U.S.? I am I almost so. 100% positive. Almost 100% positive. Well, the German Blue is fairly cheap. I think I got it for like 9 bucks or cheaper through a German Amazon. I put in a, an order 
a while back. Got a few fun things, and I popped this in, and damn, it looks good. I wasn't expecting it to look really good, because like, when you import stuff, sometimes it's a crapshoot on whether or not stuff's going to look good or not. But um, it looks fantastic. The This you know film produced by James Cameron, directed by Catherine Bigelow, um, starring... Um, Ralph Fiennes, Juliette Lewis. Yeah. And Angela Bassett, too, yeah. right? Damn, you got all this right off the top of your head. Strange Days is like my, my jam back in the uh, day. I I haven't seen Strange Days in, in a year. Or Strange, I said Strange Land like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Strange Days. No, D. Snyder's not in this. But, uh, God, it would have been so good if he was, though. I I haven't seen this in, in, a, in a long time. Um, It's two and a half hours, man. Uh, but it's, it's good. So good. It, um, I love like the idea of the kind of the, it has never been on us Blu-ray. It's never been. Yeah. It, it looks, this right. looks really good. This is like the 20th uh, anniversary edition. And I'm, I'm shocked that it's not out in the U S I'm, I'm, I'm surprised universal hasn't even just dumped this on a, you know, just on a, you know, bare bones release. Cause they, you know, they'll do that with some of their catalog stuff, but. Um, if you can grab this one, there's some featurettes on there. I haven't checked them out, but it looks really good. The movie is great. It almost was better this time around. I think when I, it, it's weird, the older I get certain, certain movies take on a whole new flavor. Like this was really good. I loved all the first person stuff. It was probably the best first person stuff I've seen in a long time. Uh, cause the idea is they put on something over their head and they basically reenact someone's memories or that they've extracted um kind of like videotaped their you know their experience and they sell us on like a black market uh very small part of the plot but um a lot more happens than that but i'm not going to dive into it but uh really fun watching it this time uh fun seeing the kind of y2k thing again i remember all that craziness back before uh the year 2000 and um the Blu-ray, the, 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 it looks fantastic. So if you can grab this, definitely grab it. I don't, I have, haven't heard anything about it being released in the U.S. Um, at all, but at least it has a Blu-ray release somewhere. It's region B. Um, so yeah, really fun watching that. Next up, uh, I watched, finally watched my Blu-ray for Action Jackson. Oh, snap. Dude. Action Jackson is like a greatest hits of henchmen of like late 80 or 80s henchmen. Um, Carl Weathers is freaking jacked. The max. He's always jacked. Vanity is, is God may, may it's sad that we lost vanity recently. She's so beautiful uh, in this film and she's fantastic. Sharon Stone's in this. Um, God, Coach is in this. Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> Playing as slimy bad guy. And gosh, we were just talking about um, one of the actors, because he, he, there's going to be a retrospective on the new uh, Vinegar Syndrome for Don't Go in the House. Oh, shit. What's his name? Hold on. Hold on. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, he's, you know, he's bald. He's always plays a bad guy. Um... It is, oh uh, God, 
Wow. It's like on the tip of my tongue and I can't forget. This is a this is really good. Shut up. Nicholas Worth. How do I not know who that is? If you see him, you will know. He was in he was in Dark Man. Um but he's bald in Dark Man. I think he has the tattoo. Oh yeah, on his yeah, head. yeah. I know who you're talking yeah. about. So yeah. The so Vinegar Syndrome, their release of Don't Go in the is it Don't Go in the House? Yeah, because yeah. they 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 Code Red just released that re- recently, right? Don't go in the house. I don't know if that's the movie. That's the flamethrower. Don't go into the house is the flamethrower movie. Is it Don't Answer the Phone? Yeah, Don't Answer the Phone is what they're releasing. Don't an- don't. Don't go into the house is a slasher where the guy uses a flamethrower, I believe. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's don't answer the phone. So anyway, on don't answer the phone, uh, there's a retrospective on Nicholas Worth's career, which is great. Uh, also another one of the henchmen that's in this, Al Leong. He's been in everything, uh, Die Hard, um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. He's in it. I mean, all these other henchmen are in it. It's it's fantastic. A lot of fun. I hadn't seen this since I was like a teenager or even younger, probably. I and, haven't uh, seen it in years. I don't really remember anything oh my about gosh, it. Gosh, man, it's it's really fun. And uh, I mean, he you know he, he blasts the guy almost point blank with a grenade launcher. I mean, mm, boner. <laughs> it's just it's over the top and fantastic. A lot of fun. If you can find the Blu-ray for cheap because it's bare bones, grab it. I got it from uh, – there's a website called HamiltonBook.com. Yeah. And every now and then you'll find some deals, and I got this for like four bucks on HamiltonBook.com, maybe five. But um, it's always good to go there, and you, you click Blu-ray, and then you sort by cheapest, and you can find some find some deals. You know, that, that director had some – Big fucking hits, man. He he did like this is the director of Stone Cold mm-hmm. and uh, Dark Angel. I come in peace. I come in peace. Hell yeah! You leave in pieces. <sighs> um, but yeah, he's got a bunch of TV movies that weren't that bad either. That I, I remember seeing because I got like on a Craig Baxley kick one time, and he had <laughs> um his movie like with I think it's. Tom Berenger, where he plays like a fucking cowboy, and then he has that truck movie with um with Stacy Keach. Yeah. Like he has he has some decent decent movies. It's just that like he had like Action Jackson, which I can't really remember, so I can't really speak on behalf of that. I don't think it did that well. But he had like Dark well. Angel and Stone Cold, and then he just had like a bunch of eight. Uh, I was gonna say A Team. He did a bunch of episodes of A Team too. I, I I remember reading. I mean, I don't know how many episodes he could have done in one. Oh, I know. Um, but I mean, he's still doing that show. You're an action, you know, mostly action directors, and he was a stunt guy, and that's the reason why, like in Stone Cold and Dark Angel, and you could probably speak on behalf of Action Jackson because I don't remember anything about it. Is that the stunts in those movies are fucking ridiculous? Oh, dude. It's awesome. Like, yeah, like, like you fucking, don't see I come stuff in like this anymore. It's blowing up and people are flying through the air <laughs> and fucking stone cold. Like, people are going through windows on motorcycles, latching themselves onto fucking helicopters. Yeah. Like, it's you don't get weird. action like that these days because it's all fucking CGI and shit. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's unhinged. Like, it's over the top. Like, all the punches sound like Indiana Jones punches. You know, the big, like, mm. Uh, everything's bigger and better. I mean, it's, it's, 
that's what I love about the eighties, especially is like they didn't care. Like if it was cinematic and it would be fun, like they were all about that. Like everything was, yeah. you know, a little bit exaggerated. I think I'm gonna watch Craig Baxley movies and see and see if like I'm gonna try to track down those TV movies yeah. and see if they all like hold up to his like you know his theatrical stuff. Because, you know, he's like, there is this movie, um, I guess this director, Stephen Wong, he directed this movie called, um, Drive from, uh, from like nine, 1995 with Kadeem Hardison and Brittany Murphy and Mark Dacascus. And like, it's literally the best stuntman movie ever. Like, <laughs> the stuntmen are fucking ridiculous. Like, it, I could swear, I, I want to see behind the scenes featurette of the stunts. Because I, you're not going to fool me. I think Mark Dacascus is really punching these people in the chest. Like when I would be surprised when they are hitting each other. It looks like because I mean most movies, you know, you can say, "Oh, it's a fun fight scene," but you can totally tell that it's fucking set up. But in fucking Drive, those motherfuckers are hitting each other. Like, it is fucking hardcore, and that camera is so goddamn close, and it looks literally those punches are landing. <laughs> um, yep. But yeah, man, I, I miss, like, action movies like that with the fight scenes are really realistic. Yeah. You know, and it's not quick shots like Guy Ritchie. It's more or less, you know, hey, guys, action. And oh, yeah. Fight, you know? They had a choreographer. I mean, you know, dude, Carl Weathers is so jacked in this flick. I mean, you know, he was in Predator, too, like... They even do He's like just a in Predator, Sean. Oh, <laughs> is he only in Predator? What else is he in, man? Like Carl Weathers? Yeah, he was in a bunch of fucking TV movies. I mean, he he wasn't like you know a huge actor or anything like that. I mean, well, he. he been. Well, I mean, I don't know if he's that great of an actor. That's the thing, you know. I mean, just think about like his. I mean, other than playing, what, the fucking Apollo Creed, you know? Are you still there? Sorry, I was eating an ice cream thing real quick. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, I was, I'm sitting here. I, I totally forgot about it. It was, like, starting to melt. I'm like, oh, shit, I better eat this. I, I didn't I didn't mean to well, I'm, interrupt I muted, you. And I, well, I muted the mic so you guys wouldn't hear me chomping on something, which oh. is always annoying. Oh. It's a but, podcast I mean, no-no is to eat but like while I you're said, talking. Other than him playing Apollo Creed, yeah, you, you know, I, I really don't think he did much else. Like, yeah, aside from like I said, a bunch of TV movies. Um, he was in that one TV show. I can't think of the fucking name of it though. Um, he was in. I think he was in a TV show for a couple years. What was the name of that fucking show with cops and shit? I don't know. All right, but anyways, to move on. Uh, oh, and, sorry. <laughs> finally, I was talking about Carl fucking Weathers. I know. Finally, uh, Netflix released a uh, an original movie called Spectral, and this is uh, like military dudes, Marines versus ghosts. It sounds stupid, believe me, but it's actually kind of cool. Like, there's an actual reason for these uh, specters. There's a there's a ex- explanation on you know why they're there and uh, the physics on 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 if they can possibly you know kill these uh, ghost soldiers or whatever. Um, it's uh 
it's ambitious for what it is. The action is pretty damn good. And wow. uh, very much inspired ridiculous. by Aliens. And uh, for what it is, really fun time. So if you're into that stuff, check it out. That's all I got to say about it. But it's wow. pretty good. You didn't talk me into it at all, Sean. You didn't sell me. You sold me on Action Jackson. Well, Action Jackson is awesome. Like you didn't sell me on Spectral. I'm sorry. sorry. I hey, it is it is what it is. It's okay, but it's it's a it's a good time if you see it. And I mean, if you already have Netflix, it's hour and a half, and uh, you know, it's a good like war flick of them battling ghosts. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. You know, it's a very simple setup, but very mm. done very well. In my opinion. Cool. All right, what you got? Um, I don't have much. I'll do a back-to-back feature. I've watched watched these back... Well, I never turn... I, well, I can't say I never turn off movies, because I'm going to say I have turned off movies. I've probably only walked out and turned off a total of maybe four or five movies in my lifetime. It doesn't happen often. Um, just because I'm always willing to stick it out because you never know if the ending could change your whole perspective on things. Cause I've had movies where an ending is like, Oh my God, Holy shit. Uh, hence since I said that check out, we are the flesh when it comes out on arrow mm. because that movie grabbed me at the ending. Um, and my dick. Um, <laughs> hey, Brad, is that the one? Is that the one where the <laughs> the, the fool is <laughs> blowjob? Um, so I end up watching uh Wild Eye, uh two two Wild Eye movies, which you you know I'm a fan of uh Wild Eye releasing. I watched The Amazing Bulk. When I say I watched it, I watched about 20 minutes, and then I watched Queen Crab, which I watched all the way through. Uh, so let's start off with uh, Queen Crab. Uh, it's actually produced by the Polonium Brothers, who did a lot of, uh, you know, uh, directed video stuff in the 80s and 90s, and they're still continuing making movies and producing. Uh, so it's really cheesy. Um, what I did like about this one is they actually used a claymation crab um, in order to do the special effects, which I really dug because you don't really see that um, in these types of movies. It's really bad CGI or horrific. CGI. <laughs> um, however, they actually used a lot of um, claymation for this. A uh, little girl uh, finds a crab in the lake. Her father is a scientist. She um, asks, what do crabs eat? And um, basically, you know, they're omnivores, so whatever. So she starts picking this, like, fucking grape-looking fruit that her father's growing in his lab and feeds it to the crab. Uh, crab gets really big. Um there's an accident at the lab. Mother and father die. Uh, she takes care of the crab, and the crab is fucking huge. And it starts attacking people in town. Um, and it gets a little dramatic. But it's it's a, it's a decent... If you're into those types of movies, um, like really like cheesy uh, sci-fi, like flicks like on Sci-Fi Station, um, then this is right up your alley. And then I watched about 20 minutes of The Amazing Bulk, <laughs> which is obviously a rip hardcore rip off of the the hulk um i couldn't oh finish my God, this movie I just got that oh is it a is it a porno no 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 yeah, I, that would make sense i couldn't do it and <laughs> it was odd because i really wanted to because it was interesting of the route that the director took um the people aren't real however 
any animation or any sets, any sets, a set, whether in a car, in a building, it's all animated. Uh, huh. But like, but it's not a consistent, consistent animation. It's like one shot looks like it's hand drawn. And then one shot looks like some like fucking awful like 90s computer game. Oh god. And then just like maybe a picture of a place with like some type of weird animation drawn over it. Um very very bizarre. Um it was interesting to see cuz it was kind of it's really hard to watch. And that's the reason why I turned it off because I just didn't understand like why can't you just fucking record people in a room? I thought doing the animation around everything. I mean, every single thing other than the people or what they're touching is animated. I'm, I'm looking at pictures right now. Yeah, I I couldn't do it. Um, so if you're into that stuff, go ahead. It's almost um, like they're doing it to just try to kind of be different and funny. It's it plays its joke really quick. Um, and then this was a rewatch for me. I saw I don't know if I saw this at Fantastic Fest in 2015 or South by um, uh, Mad Mads Mikkelsen in uh, this Danish comedy called Men and Chicken. Um, I really enjoyed this when I saw it uh, at the festival and I enjoyed it again. Uh, eventually came out on Blu-ray of uh, at Draft House Films. Um, very, very odd. Um, but it's very funny and I'm not a big fan of comedies unless it's something on this plane where it's just kind of absurd. Um, two brothers, uh, their father passes away and they realize that the family is bigger than what they thought and it's odder than they thought. And there is some gene splicing with animals uh, that is happening in the background and it gets fucking weird. Um, but it's very, very funny. It's hard to believe that. I mean, this really shows Mad Mickelson's like range because he plays a chronic masturbator who is just extremely rude and <laughs> likes to fight. And, um, wow. it's really fucking funny. So, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. It's, is you'll definitely get some giggles. And then I got around to watching uh, Larry Cohen's special effects, which I've never seen before. Um, super bizarre flick. Um, uh, this director named Chris Neville uh, made like a $30 million bomb at the box office, so no one really wants to give him any work. So he's trying to get another project off the ground. Um, he meets with this girl who he wants to cast in his movie, uh, wants to, you know, take her to bed, do the deed. She doesn't want to, so he murders her on camera. Um, and then in order to cover it up, he makes a movie surrounding that murder. So what he does is he tries to find a lookalike uh, of her and then make you know, actually make the movie. But he's also using her um, husband, uh, the girl that's dead, her husband in the film, using the detective that is researching the case to be kind of a, um, like go-to, uh, what would he call that? Um, like someone that like looks at the script, like a, like a script supervisor almost be like, Oh, this is accurate. This, the police wouldn't do that. That kind of thing. Um, 
And he just uses everybody that's like trying to find this girl in his movie. And it's very, very weird, but it works. And then, um, Zoe, uh, what's her name? She was in Miss 45. She was in this. She, she plays the lead. Zoe Lund. Um, you know, who played Miss 45. She's in this. Um, just a really bizarre movie, but, um, like I said, it works, but it's Larry Cohen's like warped mind. So. Oh, my Larry, Larry Cohen gag. So, you know, you had three movies about phones, right? <laughs> Fucking phone booth, cellular, and messages deleted. Three movies about phones. So this, when this guy gets on something, he gets obsessed with it, like alive. Was that like when, like, when cell phones were first starting to like, you know, cause at first it was like, oh, I got a phone in my car. That was crazy, you know, when. Well, no, it's like, this, did he just get on a weird random kick? It's just like really bizarre. Like phone booth, I can understand because he's got a sniper at the phone booth. Okay, gotcha. But it's a really weird concept. But in fucking cellular, like Kim Basin, if I remember correctly, and I've only seen this movie once, and I was like rolling my eyes the entire time, is that Kim Basinger is like being held captive by Jason Statham, and she like dials a number, but it's a stranger that she gets, who I guess is miraculously in the same like town as she is um he ends up like breaking the phone so she can't like hang up he can't hang up because she can't dial back out so this stranger uh, is chris evans is like racing across town in order to get to this woman and like it's just a really bizarre movie like but that's but that's larry cohen though he's always doing that shit like he's always thinking outside the box but like there is no box. Nice. That kind that 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 type of shit. All right. And I'm, then uh well hold on. We uh Brian Sauer has just joined the call. Oh. So we need Hello, to gentlemen. bring you Brian <laughs> into into the fold here. It's an honor to be back. Thank you guys for having me. It's been uh, it's been a while. Yes, sir. You've been missed. Yes. Well, I miss you guys too. <laughs> So Brad, shut the fuck up, and we're just gonna talk to Brian. Now. <laughs> okay. okay. Is he done? Because he can. No. Uh, no, no. One more. One more. One more. I want to hear his one more. <laughs> so, um, I guess maybe a few months back, I uh, reviewed uh, a release. It was a Back to the Future based uh, documentary, but it was uh, based on the car restoration. Oh yeah. Um, and I forget the name of the movie. Um. But then now there's – but these came out at the same time. Now there's Back in Time, which is a documentary about Back to the Future. But like as a whole, like everything between like the movie, the fans, uh, the, you know, everything that played out, they actually talk about the restoration process, which I thought was really silly because they made an entire movie about it. Isn't it called Out of Time? That's the DeLorean. Right? Out of Time. So there's Out of Time and Back in Time. Like you need to relax. <laughs> so um, – but it's it's okay. I mean, making a documentary about Back to the Future is kind of weird because There's so much already about it, right? It's it's one of the most popular and celebrated movies of all time. Like, and what don't we know about Back to the Future? And everything that I did know, they didn't put into the fucking documentary. Hey, Brad, did you know that Eric Stoltz played Marty McFly? <laughs> yeah, and they like the make movie. that a big. They make that a big deal. And then, like, Bob Gale is like, I don't know if you'll ever see the footage. 
while they're running the fucking footage of Eric Stoltz <laughs> on the fucking documentary. That footage is like in the documentary for the Back to the Future Blu-ray. Like it's all yeah, that. and it's on the Blu-ray. And I was like, wait a second, Bob Gale. Like, how old is this fucking interview? Um, but it's just it's just everything that they talk about is just known already. I mean, it's not a bad documentary by any means. It's well put together. It's well edited. You know, it, it serves its purpose. But I would think that, you know, I think a great uh, bit, but they didn't talk about it at all, is the Crispin Glover thing. Because Crispin Glover was, of course, you know, George McFly in the first film. And then George McFly is in two and three. However, it's not played by Crispin Glover. It's played by another actor. And then Crispin Glover ended up suing um, the Back to the Future guys like Zemeckis and Spielberg. And they got a settlement, and now there's like a rule where you can't use like someone's likeliness without their permission. Oh yeah, it's um, kind of messed up that they did that. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really fucked up. They actually have the actor that plays George McFly in Back to the Future Two, but I, I was like, oh shit, here we go. This is gonna be really fun, but there's nothing, you know. Um, and, and they, I mean, it's mainly about Back to the Future. Um, alone, it's not about the entire trilogy because they actually sh- a lot of people shit on the second and uh, third one because they're like, "All oh, those two suck. This one's great. It's a perfect movie." Blah blah blah. Um, but anyways, it, it serves its purpose. If you're a huge, huge Back to the Future fan, you'll probably enjoy it. Um, but it's but if you're a huge Back to the Future fan, you know everything that they talk about. <laughs> the only thing that maybe is a little interesting is that the people that collect the cars. You know, there's a guy who owns, like, Back to the Future, like, two and three, the original cars, and, like, Marty's, like, truck, the 4 by 4 that he has in uh, the second film. Um, you know, there's actually a really good interview with Leah Thompson saying she was, like, all into it because, like, there's this, like, incestual, like, thing happening, and she thought that was funny, but no one else did, so that was a little difficult to get off the ground. But, I mean, like I said, it, it's just stuff that you could probably actually read on Wikipedia. Um, it wasn't interesting enough, but anyways, um, that's it. All right, Brian, welcome to the podcast officially. Thank you. Um, did you want to join in on the what's in your doorstep segment? Good. Um, Have you- I could maybe throw in a thing or two here. I'm just trying to think about, oh, I can throw in at least, at least one. Cause okay. I watched, uh, I watched one thing this weekend. <laughs> um, it's not horror related, but, um, it is uh, Moving Violations. Oh, the, shit, it just came out on Blu-ray, too. Yeah, man. I just watched the Blu-ray, um, the Kino Classics Blu-ray, Kino Lorber Studio Classics Blu-ray. And it's one of those movies that I watched a bunch as a kid, and it's, I think it's got a cult mostly because, well, I think it's it's complicated, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that the movie like disappeared for a long time, and I think a lot of people saw it on cable, and I saw it on VHS, it's got uh, John Murray in it. That's Bill Murray's brother is the lead. And I think a lot of people don't like him, but I think he's pretty funny. Um, and it's got like James Keach and it's got Brian Backer from Fast Times at Richmond High. It's got Wendy Jo Sperber from Back to the Future. It's got, um, uh, what's her name, from Bound and from uh, the Chucky movies. Why can't I think of it? Jennifer, Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer Tilly in I think her first movie. Um but it's cool because it's kind of like this throwback 80s crazy comedy. It's from Neil Israel who and his co-writer Pat Proft who were the guys who did like the Police Academy movies and 
Um, oh man, he did some other stuff. He co-wrote Real Genius, some classic 80s stuff. And this one like rides the line between like Airplane and Police Academy because, you know, it's, and it's the DVD or the poster sold it as like from the people that brought you Police Academy. So it's like, <laughs> it's very much like Police Academy meets a, a driver's ed, you know, school, not driver's ed, but a traffic school scenario where like all these disparate characters that are kind of weird and losers end up in this traffic school, you know, run by this, uh, cop played by James Keach who is, has been demoted and is super pissed off that he's having to teach these people. And John Murray's always kind of giving him a hard time. And, you know, there's just this anti-authoritarian streak in it that John Murray has that I think I really responded to when I was a teenager. So it's still, it's still, um, kind of holds up for me in some ways. I mean, it's not like amazing, but it's got a lot of practical stunts. I was listening to Neil Israel's commentary and he said that there's like a stunt in almost every other scene, you know, like there'll be a scene where Wendy Jo Sperber's driving and, you know, she has a bunch of bowling balls in the back of her car and she gets in an accident and all the bowling balls go flying out. And apparently they had to shoot them out of cannons of the back of her car. And, <laughs> or, you know, they'll have, you know, people driving on an uh, air airport uh, airstrip, you know, behind two jumbo jets or, you know what I mean? Like it's obviously pre CG. And so if you appreciate like, and it, and it builds to sort of a wacky climax at the end. And I think that's something I miss a lot is those 80s comedies that used to, you know, kind of go balls out and get crazy. And I, I don't think, I feel like comedies do that anymore. I don't feel nope. like they spend the money to have giant set pieces in comedies really anymore as much. Yeah. I could be wrong, but. No, no, you're right. Yeah. But it was fun. It was a fun rewatch and uh, it's definitely worth picking up if, if you're a fan of those 80s comedies. Yeah, modern comedies are it's weird now. Like, dick and fart jokes. It's dick and <laughs> fart jokes. Um, and they're and just like jokes about semen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're, not as, about semen. they're not as rewatchable. Like I'm, I've been kind of going through all my movies that I own and, and purging things and listening to things on eBay and trying to figure out, you know, what I'm going to keep and what I'm not. And, and I almost feel like I can take any comedy after like 1990, maybe 1990. I don't know. There's a few exceptions in there, and just clear them all. Wait, 1990? Like, oh no, no, I would say at least like 2000. 2000, yeah, yeah, yeah. 90s yeah, my boyfriend's back. Is in the 90s. Yeah, That's yeah, good. yeah. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I would say two, the 2000s, and especially once you got into like The Hangover and Forty Year Old Virgin, oh, Judd Apatow yeah. stuff. Like, it's just not as rewatchable. It's 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 weird. It's a weird phenomenon. It's almost like they go for like the easy, stupid, like gross out laughs, and uh, the there's nothing there like to really you know keep me wanting to go back like oh you know there's a couple like i'll rewatch like there's something about mary and dumb and dumber like i'll rewatch those so that i can't do those but other than those like there's it's it's rare you know especially the modern ones like my, my wife and i almost went to to see like office christmas office party or whatever the hell uh is yeah like right now and we were like i was like well do you really want to like go to the theater and pay like over 20 bucks to sit and watch this and we can probably just rent it when it comes out. And she's like, yeah, let's just, you know, let's just go out and like, you know, eat like a lot of really good food and drink some expensive wine instead. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Let's do that. Yeah. That makes much more sense. You know? It's, yeah. It's just, just, yeah. Comedies don't do it for me either. It's weird. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I'll I mean, watch them at least once, but I mean, it, I think the last great comedy that I've seen was hot tub time machine. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. That's pretty great. I agree. Yeah. Cause that was, not that, you know, I'm biased and it's like, oh, it has to deal with the 80s. 
But like it was just really, really funny. There's yeah. a lot of great moments and really iconic moments because I think that's what it all is. is like, you know, kind of the iconic moments that happen in comedies and also like in the 80s. But there's also this uh, sense of drama like, yeah. you know, Fast Times at Richmond High, you know, Better Off Dead, Last American Virgin. Like they're funny movies, but there's this really dark dramatic – same thing with Porky's. You know, there's this really dark, dramatic side to the films, and it brought life to it. Now it's just constant from beginning to end uh, comedy with no drama whatsoever. And I think maybe that's what we're like because we're talking about how funny they are. But I think it's how we could relate a little bit to it. Like, you know, like Porky's. I mean, guy fucking sticks his dick in a hole and, you know, the gym teacher. But there's this really dark side of Porky's where the guys, you know, the one guy's getting beat up by his dad. Yeah, there's the whole anti-Semitic thing. And you know, and it's just, you know, but the same thing as Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Last American oh, Virgin. Yeah. Fucking, you know, he pays for the abortion in that fucking movie. Oh, man, that movie. The ending. Gets, oh, Jesus Christ, dude. The fucking ending of that movie just makes you fucking weep. Yeah. Did you, Brad, did you feel like everybody wants some? Because that was on your top ten of films. Last number year. one, it's my number one of all time. Oh, very and, nice. And that's, that's my number two. Is that a? Com- I haven't watched it yet. I did buy it. Uh, it just came in the mail. It's a comedy, but it's, it's very comedy. realistic. Right, right, right. Like okay. extremely realistic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no slapstick in it, other than maybe just one character who's a little over the top. But it's not so over the top where it's like you know fucking you know um, Danny McBride character or some shit like that in a movie. Or it's, it's just like it's, constant like one-liners or some shit like that. Yeah, no, it's character comedy. It's to me, it's very much like, I mean, it's obviously a quasi sequel to Days and Confused or a sister movie. And I think a lot of times you'll see a movie come out from a director and they'll be like, oh, it's the you know sister movie to whatever they did. And then you watch it and you're like, well, that's kind of bullshit. That doesn't really work. But this one I think actually does work as a sister movie, a sister character comedy to Days and Confused. And I've seen it like four or five times already and it gets it has like staying power right you know like dude it's ridiculous like i want to stop and just watch it right now that's how anytime (laughs) i hear like here i was saying on the last show anytime i hear a song from the soundtrack or even remotely think about it like it's just something i want to watch like immediately yeah, it's great, man. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I think I like the nice guys just a little bit more personally. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, but, that, but nice that's guys, just me. Nice guys felt like a throwback to those, you know, where there was some wit. Well, there's another movie. '80s Shane Black. I mean, he's yeah. he's Mr. '80s, yeah. you know. But there but anyway, know. everybody wants some is great, Brad. I'm totally on board with what you're saying, and it's it's right yeah. now. It's my number two of the year, and I love that it's it's I I can feel already that you know there's so many movies that are so disposable. You just watch it, and you're like, oh, I can't even fu-. like I watched War Dogs a couple nights ago and I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, I'll forget that one in about two months. And <laughs> right. that movie, everybody wants them. I, it just, you, you feel that it's special. You feel that it's, it's yeah. got legs and that's just yeah. such a neat feeling. Cause it doesn't happen that much. No, no. And that's why I said, like on the show is I, you know, after I saw it, you know, I was cool. But then after I saw it like a few more times and seeing like probably the same amount I do, I've seen it four or five times this year. Um, I can safely say it's like heading to my top twenty of all time. Easy. Nice. Wow. That's you know? cool. But um. All right. Well, this isn't, this isn't the comedy cast. Uh, <laughs> this is the scream cast. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's, no, it's all good. I, I, you know, I think most of you, who, if you've stuck around in the past few years, we've been doing this like three years now. I think. That's Somewhere. Cool. Congrats, Jess. Jesus Christ. Um, those of you who've stuck around, you get that we're we 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 entertain all all genres. 
Um, just a little bit. We tease. We cut the balls yeah. a little bit of comedy. Like, like you tease then, me. You know, work, work the shaft of drama every now and then. <laughs> All right. Wow. Here we go. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, Black Christmas versus Black Xmas in just a little bit, as well as our top Blu-rays of the year. Uh, but, but before we do that, we're going to jump into some news with Josh Obershaw. And Josh Obershaw joins us with the news. What's up, man? I'm cold. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> What happened? It's really, really cold. I don't know. This is California. What? What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a high Maybe. at like sixty one. I don't understand. Oh well, it's about <laughs> forty where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, it's been dipping down and cold. Yeah, re- yeah, and just remember to all our listeners, like, um, uh, I, I do this from the garage, so the garage doesn't have as much. Insulation. So yeah, I've got my hoodie on above my headphones, as you could probably see from the Instagram photo that I just posted. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. For some reason, my office they decided to run the air conditioning today, so it was like sixty-one degrees in my office. What? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I went outside and it felt nicer because there's actually sunlight. I was like, can I just take my desk outside for the day, please? <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right, man. Well, we've had a lot of uh, cool announcements here, so let's get to this shit. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> well, there's been that many announcements, but there's well, still one in particular a lot I'm of... super excited about. Okay, fine. Let's, then let's just get to that one. Then. <laughs> uh, uh, Lionsgate has announced that they are putting up the gate. Yeah. As part of their Vestron video series collection. Oh my gosh. I was just getting this uh, lined up to watch with my daughter the other day. So I have the DVD all lined up. Now I just might it's wait until because, February. Yeah, you might want to do that because um, uh, showing her this in HD. Oh, wow. Because this. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching this when I was a kid. Uh, my mom actually rented this and seeing it on seeing it on VHS freaked me out. Freaked me out <laughs> enough as it is. So um, yeah, showing this to the next generation on HD, they're so going to get a kick out of this one. Yeah. Did they announce uh, the specs as far as like uh, special features and stuff? Is it are they porting the whatever was on the DVD? Oh, yeah, they're putting some of that uh, over, but um, let me just give you a rundown of everything that's going to be on this uh, Blu-ray because it, it it is just packed. Awesome. So packed. They've got multiple audio commentaries. they got one with uh, director Tabor Takex, uh, writer Michael Nankin, and special effects designer and supervisor Randall William Cook. They've also got another one with uh, uh, special effects designer and supervisor Cook, uh, artist Craig Reardon, special effects artist Frank Carreri, and matte photographer Bill Taylor. And they've also got uh, an isolated score selection and audio interview with uh, the composers Michael Haining and J. Peter Robinson. They've also got all the featurettes that were 
I'm assuming the featurettes were on the uh, on the DVD. I no, I the didn't DVD, get a chance to pick up. No, the, the DVD only has all those uh, commentaries, and that's and, it. I and, th- well, and some interviews, but that's but that's it. Interviews and commentary is all it has. Well, here's a rundown of the featurettes. They uh, they're no called the Gate this. Unlocked, uh, Minion Maker from Hell it Came, The Workman Speaks. That's the one I'm interested in. Made in Canada. That's the other one I'm interested in. Nice. Uh, From Hell, the Creatures and Demons of the Gate, the Gatekeepers, and the Making of the Gate. Wow. Plus they got all, plus they got all the uh, the they got the TV spots, theatrical trailer, teaser trailer, storyboard gallery, and all that kind of stuff. But still, I mean, Damn. okay. It's, yeah, throw out it's, the DVD. Totally. I mean, okay. <laughs> this is the Vestron Video Collector Series Blu-rays. They are going to be really, really expensive. But yeah, I, I would say throw out your DVDs and get this one because... Well, there's like... Oh I, my I, God. Was telling, I was telling Brad... Um, I mean, I've we, him and I have talked about these in length. I mean, I, I can't remember if I've talked about them on the show right. or like on him and I just tweeting back or not tweeting, but like texting back and forth. But I mean, um, both they're starting to drop in price, which is good. Like, I think this is going to be listed on Amazon at least for like twenty four ninety nine or something like that, which is a start in the right direction. I mean, at first they were like listing these at like forty bucks. So you know, they're the more people buy these, the more they get into them, that they're going to finally get to a decent price point. I know that um, Mike from Grindhouse Video hasn't been making a whole lot, and mar- like the margins aren't very big, and on these, but um, the more people buy these, the better the prices are going to be for sure. But this sounds like you're getting a lot more bang for your buck than the DVD. I mean, unfortunately, you can't unload your DVDs for like twenty five bucks, probably, uh, unless it's out <laughs> of print. I mean, if you're if it is out of print, I don't know, but um, but you know, I I don't know. Sometimes it's, sometimes here's it's the worth other it. thing that, yeah, true. But here's the other thing that I'm curious about. Okay, Lionsgate has been announcing and releasing these films in twos. I know. Uh, okay, the Waxwork set was just one Blu-ray, but that's two movies, so I'm counting that as well. But it kind of makes me wonder if they have anything else coming out on that release date. Hmm. We will see. No. Uh. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully, class of 1999. So, Brad will shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. I was kind of bringing up another sequel in relation to the gate, but okay. I'm not going to speculate about that because that's still kind of the price for that is still kind of up in the air. Oh, man, the, the gate two? Is there a sequel? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The elusive sequel. I, I haven't seen the sequel, so I would be very. Much I've never. I've in. never seen the sequel. Yeah. One of these days, one of these companies will release it for sure. <sighs> we'll hope. <laughs> but um, <laughs> all right. Moving on. Uh, Criteria has announced their uh, releases for March. Criterion and in it, yeah, Criterion. But the one that I want to focus on right now. Is okay. Well, being there with uh, Peter Sellers is coming out from Criterion in March. But what I really want to focus on is uh, John Waters' Multiple Maniacs. Hmm. That 
That is coming out on March 21st. It's going to be a 4K digital restoration, a new commentary featuring Waters, new interviews with cast and crew, including uh, Pat Moran, Vincent Peranio, Mink Stoll, Susan Lowe, Greg Figgs. This is a John Waters movie on Criterion. I just thought I'd point that out. I know, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, he's one of those filmmakers. He's getting to be you know, kind of notorious. I mean, he's a very well-respected director, and it just, it's all, his films are so oddball. I mean, but yeah, Cronen, they're getting Cronenberg on Criterion, and you know what I mean? Like, there, there's a few kind of oddball directors every now and then, but dude, I'm really interested in this one. I I don't think I've seen this one. I haven't seen this one either, but it's John Waters. So yeah. John Waters on Criterion. <laughs> yeah, a, I mean, okay, it's a okay, time. Uh, okay. I yeah, I I can understand Cronenberg, right? But the like, Criterion and John Waters, it, I don't know. For some reason, that just seems like an oddball pairing. I'm all for it. Good job, Criterion. Well, so am I. Yeah, kudos <laughs> to you. Uh, next up, we got a couple more from uh, 88 Films. They got two movies coming up in their uh, Italian collection. And the first one that I want to talk about is called Amok, which is uh, kind of a giallo thriller from director Silvio Amadio. I hope I'm saying that right. Is it was released in 1972. It stars Farley Granger, who a lot of horror fans know from The Prowler, but also co-stars Barbara Boucher and Rosalba Neri. And this is going to be restored in 2K by okay, yeah. There's going to be a 2K restoration, but the thing is, though, they're sharing it with a German label called uh, Camera Obscura, and they're going to be and they're. Yeah, they're going to be releasing that in early 2017 along with 88 Films. Uh, the 88 Films Blu-ray is going to be coming out on February 27th. And um, the 88 Films Blu-ray is also going to include uncompressed English audio, Italian audio with newly translated English subtitles, an icon amok, which I believe uh, is an interview with Barbara Boucher. Nice. Hmm. Uh, Barbara Boucher Q&A from the Festival of Fantastic Films in Manchester and Rosalba Neri a featurette centered on her so um, yeah if there was anything that would get me to buy a region free player it's this one right here very nice it's this film it's this film right here wow. because Barbara Boucher Oh my God. <laughs> she is a hottie. The first time I ever saw anything with her was uh, Don't Torture a Duckling. And if you've ever seen that one, you know what I'm talking about. And also coming out from uh, 88 Films is the Italian cannibal movie Massacre in Dinosaur Island. Hmm. And that's going to be coming out. That's going to be coming out on March 13th, but there are no uh, special features to report of as of yet. Nice. So that's 
So that's all I have on that one. Next up from Screen Factory, of course, uh, we've got the final list of bonus features for their collector's editions of Poltergeist 2, the other side, and Poltergeist 3. Both of these are going to be uh, 2K scans. And for the other side, we've got a audio commentary with writer-producer Michael Grice. G R A I S. I want to see Grice or Grace. Uh, yeah, I, really I would weird. probably guess uh, Grice. You would be my my guess for sure. Okay. Well, there's also a new audio commentary with uh, Poltergeist Two Webmaster David Fertney. Excuse me. Sorry. He's also doing a audio commentary on Poltergeist Three. And. On um, uh, the other side, we also have Robbie's Return. This is an interview with Oliver Robbins. There's also The Spirit World, which is an interview with special effects designers Richard Edland, Steve Johnson, and Screaming Mad George. Nice. Uh, also new is going to be a Ghost of Giger, a look at the contributions of artist H.R. Giger featuring rare photos and illustrations. And interviews with Giger's friend and agent Les Barani and special effects designer Steve Johnson, Richard Edlin, and Screaming Mad George. Plus, there's also uh, vintage featurettes as well. A theatrical trailer, TV spots, and still galleries. Poltergeist 3, we also have High Spirits. This is an interview with screenwriter Brian Taggart. Reflections, an interview with a- actress Nancy Allen. Nice. Uh, Mirror Images, this is an interview with special effects creator John Caglione Jr., an alternate ending, which is also subtitled, uh, theatrical trailer, TV spots, and still galleries. And these are both coming out on January 31st. Last but not least, um, I got some details on a Blu-ray that I uh, wrote about on the website earlier this year, actually like on the other side of this year. But now we got some details on it. And that is Kino Lover and Scorpion releasing team up for a Blu-ray of Teen Witch starring Robin Lively. And uh, this one is going, uh, there's no release date for this just yet. This is going to be available sometime for purchase next year. But uh, the special features for this one includes an audio commentary with stars Robin Lively, Joshua Miller, Dan Gauthier, and Mandy Ingbar. On-camera interviews with Lively, Gauthier, Ingbar, and Lisa Fuller. An on-camera interview with the Weir Brothers and an original trailer. So as soon as we get more news about a release date on Team Witch, because I know this is one that a lot of people are going to want, we'll let you know. Awesome. I know BJ is excited about this one for sure. I know that's why I'm really excited because I know uh, because this is actually uh, um, I was more of a Teen Wolf fan, but uh, my youngest brother loves this movie. And <laughs> to be all honest, I I, I kind of had a a little bit of crush on Robin Lively, but that was because of the movie Wildcats, not because of Teen Witch. <laughs> Very nice. But that's all. The, yeah, but that's all the uh, that's all the that's all the Blu-ray news that I have right now. But before we sign off, I just wanted to. Uh, give a shout out to you, Sean, and Brad, and BJ for um, 
giving me the opportunity to be a part of this podcast because this is the best thing that I've been in, involved with this year. And I just want to say thank you. And thank you to our listeners for all, for all the, um, the positive comments and questions that you've thrown my way. It, I really appreciate that. Awesome. It's our pleasure to have you a part of the show, man. Of course. And also, I want to give a quick shout-out now to uh, a, a radio show called uh, Mondo Hollywood. And this is hosted by uh, my friend Amanda Stefaniak. It is uh, based out of uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And it's a show, it's a radio show devoted to movie soundtracks. And they gave us a, uh, a quick shout-out because um, she... She asked me if I had any requests to put on her radio show this week because she was doing a uh, like a holiday themed show to close out 2016, and I did. And I didn't expect her to give the screencast a complete shout out. So oh, cool. thank you to her, thank you to Mono Hollywood, and thank you to U M uh, U M F M dot com. If you want to ask show Mondo Hollywood, it's going to be on Sundays, 12 noon Central Standard Time. And uh, they're on hiatus right now. So they're going to be back on the air on January the 8th. So if you want to cast a show and hear some movie music, go to the website. They have a little button there where you can uh, listen to uh, listen to the radio station online from wherever you are. Nice. All right, Josh. Thanks for uh, for all you do, man. We really appreciate it, and uh, thanks for for uh, this week's news. Apologies, everyone, to the Skype connection. Uh, Skype's been a bitch, but we made it through. <laughs> we have survived, and we will survive. That's right. All right, man. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Ne- next time is gonna be the last news uh, segment of 2016. I think nice. one, or, one or two. I can't remember. I'm trying to talk to Brad. Maybe, like, maybe. I I think we have one or two shows left. I can't remember. I I think for sure we got one left. Um, this time you're well, ridiculously this crazy was, for me. Right. Well, I figured this one was going to be the last show of 2016. That's why I just wanted to get my shout outs to you yeah. guys. Yeah, man. Before we close out, of course. I think we got one more show left. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You never know with our crazy schedules. So, uh, all right, man. We will talk to you sure. next week for sure. Nice. See you guys next week. As we're moving through December, hurling through December, uh, of course, all of you are getting to your Christmas horror, and uh, one of the staples of you know the 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 season has been 1974's yeah. uh, Black Christmas, directed by Bob Clark. So uh, we figured today we would compare um, 
the original Black Christmas, to its remake, which is actually called Black Christmas. I think Black Xmas came into play on like the marketing. Marketing, poster. yeah. Um, but 2006's Black Christmas, and that's directed by Glenn Morgan. So we'll we'll discuss those uh, these a little bit. I know that Scream Factory is just about to release their Blu-ray of Black Christmas, the 1974 film. And um, I wanted to clarify, like we had tweeted out about an audio issue puzzle that was discovered, and apparently uh, it's only the mono track. So all you hardcore collectors who appreciate the mono, you know, you may have something to bitch about, but uh, most most of us who just will pop in the movie and watch it, the main audio track is totally fine. Um, Screen Factory has acknowledged that there's that there's an issue with the mono track and that they're looking into seeing what they can do. But I think that has been a problem with the mono audio like forever. So anyway, a little bit of information there. Uh, Brian, did you like comb through the black Christmas Blu-ray like crazy or did you even notice that or I, what was the issue exactly that there, the was, audio, a, there was an audio, like a sync issue or synced on like a scene or even less of the Black Christmas uh, in, in, on the mono track, which for me, like, once I found out it was the mono track, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I noticed it, but, um, but I'm, I, I sometimes feel like I'm seeing sync issues when I'm not seeing them. So yeah. I don't know. You know, I was my setup. Action Jackson, and there was like some audio issues there, and I just roll with it. I mean, I, I was like, how, you know, how picky. You know, do we all want to be with these releases? You know? Well, I think it's because if people want to watch the original audio with the film rather than kind of the revamp 5.1, I think that's where the issues come into play because yeah. it would be this. It's equivalent to us if they threw some C- CG in the movie. Yeah, take it like that. Okay. Audio files will do the same thing. Okay. Fair They're enough. like, wait a second, that noise wasn't in the original. And if we saw a fucking turtle fly out of Black Christmas or something, we'd be like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck is a turtle doing in this movie? Like you know, it, I think <laughs> I think it's the same. I think it's the same thing. So yeah. I can't really blame yeah. them. And, it, you know, people are, you know, very like, you know, when Phantasm was announced on Blu-ray, they're including the original mono track on that. I think people enjoy that. Um, yeah. Okay. So anyways. Right. Fair it, enough. I I really don't care personally because I'm probably gonna watch whatever like you know is just set up the default for it and just watch it like that you know I'm not I'm not gonna pick and choose I'm gonna watch the new presentation that you know has been worked on because sometimes new audio shit sounds great yeah sometimes you know? it sometimes it doesn't yeah so but anyways all right okay. So, uh, I mean, my, my main question, I guess, Brian, um, since you're the only one who's gone through the, the Blu-ray at this point, um, what, what did you think of, of Screen Factory's, you know, presentation of this? Is uh, that people should, can rest easy about, or what, what do you think? I mean, as far as the audio, like I said, I didn't notice anything, but, um, I think as, as a whole package, um, it's pretty great, you know, um. I get, I didn't do any side by side comparisons or anything like that. And I don't remember, I feel like some of the other transfers were kind of grainy. And, and I will say that this disc has a quick warning at the front that's like kind of a, you know, best materials apology warning. But yeah. it's more, I felt like it was more like saying, Hey, we didn't use any DNR on this. And so you're going to see some grain. And I, th- it felt more like a, like, <laughs> I mean, for lack of a better, 
description like, hey, stupid, this is supposed to look this way, you know, kind of. But well, that's but what they, I'm saying is that they actually have to bait their fan fans like that because they're not doing, you know, like, I mean, even the original like HD master from Critical Mass is extremely grainy. Yeah. Yeah. You that's know? what I mean. So and it's it's the, it's a, you know, it's a Canadian low budget movie from 1974 and so, I mean, how good is that going to look, really? I mean, I'm not saying it looks like crap. It looks good, but it looks grainy, and it looks like what it is. And I had no problem with that. And at no point did I go, well, this looks like shit. I, I thought it looked good. And um, it's I feel like, for me, from memory, it's the best that it's looked. Um, and I've, I think I've seen all the Blu-ray editions that have been available. Um, so I was happy with that and it's loaded with extras and I feel like it does a pretty good job of compiling, Brad, you might know better than I would though, but I feel like it does a pretty good job of compiling all the extras from all the other editions. Well, but yeah, maybe they, there's, I think they just add the, didn't they just add the disc of the critical, they, I think they, oh, that's the what, right, okay. I think they add yeah. the critical mass disc. Okay. They, that, that's it's, what it it's not the critical mass disc. It's, they basically, you know, took the film that, that HD master and put it on, but there's a couple new features all the on that disc too no there's there's two new special features on the disc with the critical mass uh, no but i'm saying is the critical mass did a lot of shit on that yeah right there, there, anyway there is a bunch of but there's two new gotcha. um features that weren't on the critical mass disc on the second disc and i feel like the, the there was wasn't there something on the canadian import that wasn't on the critical oh, the season. mass Seasons yeah. greetings or whatever. Yeah, I could be wrong about greetings. that. Maybe that was just a rehash of the critical mass special features, but felt like there was one feature on there. It was like a documentary or something. But yeah, maybe I, I remember reading about that. I, but I think that's there right. too. So yeah. anyway, it's a good package, and I, I think fans of the movie will definitely be um, excited to get a hold of it. I've, it's been really interesting because I posted a review today, and I have had already a couple people, pro- even prior to the review talk about how Black Christmas is like, and these are hardcore horror fans, that it's their favorite horror movie. Um, and I think that's really interesting um, that it's it's one of those that just really inspires people and, you know, sticks with them. So yeah. I, I don't know. But I was really happy with the Scream Factory well, disc, I mean, personally. The funny thing is I, in preparation for the Scream Factory disc, I sold my Critical Mass disc, which is like, you need a lesson learned. You need to wait until the thing is out before you sell it. Uh, and I thought I was going to have it in time for the podcast. I'd, I sold it too early. Uh, didn't think I was going to sell it so quick before I could watch it. And this was my first time watching 1974's Black Christmas, guys. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I envy you in a way. Yeah, uh, so sure. my first viewing of this was not on a Blu-ray, was not on a DVD, but was on a VHS wow. scan well, that's kind on of YouTube. Kind of, well, not on YouTube, but a VHS uh, would have been I've, I've, I've bought it. I'm going to buy it again. So I, I figured the YouTube thing was warranted. Yeah. You know. Um, but I watched it on a VHS, basically VHS quality. And I, <laughs> and, and I dug the shit out of this flick. Like, I... I can't believe it's taken me this long to watch it. Like, I love how, like, of all the slashers that I've seen post Black Christmas and Brad, like, when we first started the show, we all, you know, we all talked about our favorite slashers, right? And this was one of your favorite slashers. I know we, yeah, we know we yeah. talked about Black Christmas, but like this, like, leading up to Halloween, uh, and then going on from there, like, you can totally see like, where John Carpen- Carpenter took from Black Christmas or was, or was inspired with Halloween, like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. 
I, have I, you guys I, ever heard him directly acknowledge it? I don't. You probably. Have. I've honestly, I don't see the comparison. Well, it's just the you know, it's just an, it's an understated like things I, are very realistic. There's some, like, I guess there's some POV shots, the, maybe the POV stuff for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know that was like, and and the fact that it's not around a holiday, you know what I mean? Like those uh-huh. two, those two things were what caught my eye. But I mean, I I love I, how like like this one like just kind of how dirty it like the, you, got, you got these sorority sisters and like you know like there's some like I was shocked to hear some of the language <laughs> used, especially at the beginning when they're all having the party and uh you know they get, they get the phone call. Pretty big cunt. I mean, you're pretty big, big cunt. I'm like a tuning fork baby. Listen, you pervert, why don't you go over to Lambacai? They could use a little of this. Oh, why don't you go find a wall socket and stick your tongue in it? That'll give you a charge. I'll stick my tongue up your pretty pussy. You fucking creep! I'm going to kill you. Yeah, Margot Kidder, no holds barred as oh, far man. as... She's yeah. quite the sailor talker. No, it's yeah, it's a little before it's time, but the one thing that always stuck with uh, Black Christmas for me is that you know you have um, you know you have the setup, yeah, have yeah, you know you're going to watch a slasher, but there's something about the film as well as like Halloween. Now this is the only comparison that I I can think of is that it's dreadful. Like the whole time that you're watching Black Christmas is that. It's just very unsettling the way it opens up on the house. The music's playing. You know, Billy is crawling up the side of the house, going inside. You know, their friend gets offed when the first five minutes is put upstairs. Paper, you know, plastic bag around her face and a rock. You know, by the way, I just noticed this time watching it that that is Pam from Strange Brew. And that just made me even sadder that she gets (laughs) killed so quickly. Anyway, sorry, Red. No, no, no. It's, uh, but it's just, you know, as soon as that starts and then the phone calls start happening and it's just one of those things where you're right. It's like, it's number one, the film is very dark and it's creepy. Like the fucking tree, like the tree looks like it's fucking covered in spider webs, which is the oddest thing I've ever seen. Like in a Christmas movie, it, if you look at the tree, it looks like fucking kingdom of spiders went through there and fucking covered the tree in webs. Like it's, it's weird, but it's just, even just the scenery and the set dressings look fucking creepy. And, you know, the fact that, you know, Billy's in the house and he's calling downstairs and he's saying, spoiler alert. And he's, you know, we should, we should say like, we're going to be spoiling the shit out of black Christmas and the remake from here on out. But you're right. I mean, the, the the first thing that you hear is, you know, he 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 calls and he's talking to, you know, Margaret Kidder, and he's saying, you know, I'm gonna lick your cunt. I'm gonna stick my fat, juicy cock up your cunt. Like, what the fuck? Like 1974, yeah. like as a horror film, even even in a horror film, like that that language was like holy shit. And it's very, but it gives this tone of the film where you know that this person is capable of basically doing anything. And um, in, in just with that dialogue at first and, you know, the good girl, uh, you know, basically what would be our final girl, 
you know, actually dies first. Because, like, that is the good girl of the bunch. Like, they say she doesn't really drink. You know, she doesn't, you know, even John Saxton says, you know, was she fooling around? You know, does she have another boyfriend? They're like, oh, God, no. You know, not her. And, like, what is it, Claire, right? Claire? Um, But anyways, like, they just, every time that you see that girl, she's, you know, we kill this final girl off in the very beginning. But we have Olivia Hussey, who is pregnant, who is looking to get an abortion, is our final girl, mm-hmm. which I it, it completely like. I know that the formula wasn't set up yet, right? But what we're familiar with, and even just as a movie, like you know, it doesn't matter if it's slash or not. You can pick out you're usually survivors in the very beginning. Oh, dude, uh, the girl uh, Olivia Hussey, um, she was Escape in, two thousand. She was in the <laughs> Romeo and Juliet film that I watched in high school. Yeah, and we got to see her boobies in school. See your boobies in Turkey Shoot. Well, not in, in not in school. Like I watched watch Turkey it. Shoot in third grade <laughs> in class. In they class. Show it, they should show it as part of uh, yeah, Shakespeare You're or full something. Of shit, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching so, Romeo and Juliet, and I think the teacher forgot about that scene or whatever. She jumps out of bed and it's like boom, and uh, mm. yeah. Let's just say that yes. we uh, me and my friends went to the library and checked out that VHS to watch it again because we had to make <laughs> some extra credit. That sounds so, really weird. Mm, I should get extra credit. But, you know, it, it's an, another thing that always was humorous to me is that, you know, and, and I know this is obviously knowledge that everybody pretty much has, but just to reiterate, maybe somebody doesn't know, is Bob Clark makes two Christmas movies that are iconic, but one's a family movie and one's a brutal horror film. Yeah. Like, how fucking funny is that shit? Know, it's awesome. Right? It's kind of awesome. So, but, but it's so badass, too. Like, it's like, holy shit. Like, you made two iconic Christmas movies. One is a family-filled, uh, fun, uh, family fun-filled movie. And then you have the other movie where, you know, the guy, you know, the kid has the BB gun and, yeah. you know, I think, the, but a Christmas the story, shot. A Christmas story still has kind of like a dark edge to it a little bit. It's very yeah. cynical. It's fine. You didn't get my joke. It's fine. <laughs> Did I get your joke? I'm sorry. I was saying the fun family filled movie is Black Christmas. <laughs> I suck, uh, sorry. But anyways, it's okay. I you wanted to, you <laughs> want to talk about how dark Christmas story is. Well, it's a, it's I, a, I find Christmas story a little boring. It's, but there's a cynical attitude to it. You know, that, that, that's what I mean. Like that's Bob Clark though. Yeah. He's have you ever watched Baby Geniuses? No, <laughs> I have not. Oh my it's pretty, god. It's pretty cynical too. Don't um, watch that movie. <laughs> but um no, I've I've always dug it. I, I I've always loved it. I do believe it's before its time. You know, it obviously has gained traction and you know became as popular as it should be because when it came out, I don't think it was extremely successful. It was successful for a horror film, but didn't do, I guess, what um you know, mainly because you have Christmas, this, you know, holiday like this, and then you have a horror film. There's a lot of people against that at the time. Um, I mean, because then you take every, like, even Silent Night, Deadly Night, Christmas Evil, they all hit against that, you know, basically people saying, no, this is wrong. Christmas is a sacred holiday. So those movies suffered at the time. 
Uh, I don't think Black Christmas suffered because I think it was more independent and also Canadian. So it had, you know, went a kind of a different route rather than the mainstream stuff. So was this the first kind of Christmas horror movie uh, that came out? I mean, I, I'm trying to think of anything before this that um, considered other not, than like not, Scrooge, you know, Scrooge film because there's a blend of horror in those. But not, not, not that I know of. You know, yeah. but I think, I think, I think that's, I think that's pretty much it. But I mean, it, it did, it did fairly well. I know it was released uh, during uh, the holidays. In 74, um, you know, it obviously made its money back, but I don't think it was like booming, like something like Halloween was, you know, where they had an independent horror film, uh, that made, you know, 30 times its money back or anything like that. I don't think it made very much. I actually don't think it was extremely successful at the time. I mean, you know, a few million dollars was successful for something like this. And it was considered a success. But you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, like fucking Halloween where it dominated. You know, it was one of the most successful indies of all time. Um, but I, I, the thing is, is that I think people just do the comparison between Black Christmas and Halloween because everybody thinks Halloween is the first slasher. But then, you know, they're like, oh, Black Christmas, you know, that was before it, you know, it was a cop. I don't see it being a copycat or, you know, maybe inspired by, I mean, yeah, Myers is in the house, uh, killing off people. Billy's in the house, killing off people, but I just don't get the similarities. And, but do you know, we, you keep saying Billy, do we know it's Billy in this film? And you know, we know in the remake, but no, it's Billy. And this one is very like, you never really see the killer do you that much it's- no you never see his face but i mean it it's billy like well, i don't understand it's totally billy his name's billy okay right 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 right. gotcha so i mean he, he he does he's on the phone and he talks about the baby right, right he right. talks about agnes but i mean he, you know he uses different voices but ultimately it's it's billy at the end of the film um and, you know, one thing I've always really enjoyed about this film is that, yes, you know the killer's in the house from the very, very beginning. You know, it's not like a big secret or anything. I mean, he literally crawls up the stairs and goes down through the little shaft on the ladder and looks at the girls. Like, it's not, you know, out there that he's in another house. But for some reason, when they do the reveal of the phone calls are coming inside the house... They really play that up. And it's very obvious that Billy is making the phone calls and Billy's already in the house. But it like even though you know that, it's still shocking and it's still really effective when they're like, oh, my God, you know, the calls are coming from inside the house. And it's like, holy shit, like. Yeah, he is calling from inside the house. Why didn't I really recognize? Like, why didn't I know that? I mean, who else would it be? Like, you have a guy killing off people. But when that reveal happens with, you know, John Saxton on, like, the radio, and he's like, you know, oh, it's coming from, you know, 6 Belmont Drive. And he's like, he's talking to the detective or the the deputy, and he's like, no, that's where the calls are coming to, you idiot. And he's like, no, that's where they're coming from. And then he's like, holy shit, you know, and he, you know, he's like, hey, you need to call her. Don't fuck this up. 
And, you know, and then he calls her and he's like, hey, get it out of the house. Like, that's a very scary moment. And once actually that happens, like it's like, I guess, an hour and 20 minutes into the movie, like once Billy, when, once she goes to the room and sees Margot Kidder is dead and then she sees his eye in the crack of that door and he goes fucking ballistic. Like, dude, that is one of the scariest moments for me watching that movie as a kid. Even now, like I watched this with Willow. Which I was like, I totally forgot about the language in the beginning. So like I fucking mute, I had to mute it real quick. I was like, Oh my God. Cause the rest of the film, like my, my daughter, she's 11. She watches rated R horror films. As long as it's not super sick. I also passed up the, um, the turtle talk too. And Margaret Kidd was talking about turtles fucking for three days. Um, but anyways, for the rest of the part, I mean, gore, like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, but. What was I saying? What was I getting at? Oh, whenever that happened, like after Billy, after she sees Billy in like the door and then she goes down to the basement, Billy's just like not just screaming and knocking on the door. She actually got closer to me. And then she looks, she's like, this is kind of scary. I was like, yeah, like this is like, this is how I was when I was younger. Cause the movie is effective, but once that happens, like you actually get to see the side of Billy that actually is psychotic. Like, you know, the phone calls are one thing, but when he actually goes crazy and just like, you know, flailing around, like he grabs her hair and he's like, run and you don't see him. That's another great part of the film is like, even once like, you know, you see his like eye when he stabs Margaret Kidder with the, um, you know, the unicorn glass thing, you know, and you see his, all you know is his eye and partially like the side of his face. But even during the chase scenes, um, going down the stairs, you really don't see him, but his hands. And, you know, he's obviously wearing like a black cardigan or, you know, turtleneck, but I just love how you never see him. And if you did show Billy's face, it ruins the movie because in those types of movies, it's a lot scarier when you don't know who you're facing and you just have this sin, the only thing you can remember is that sinister eye that you see in two shots of the film and this horrific, you know, voice where he's like, what'd you do with the Billy or what'd you do with the Billy or baby, baby Billy. Yeah. And this, where'd you put the baby? You know, like, it's like, Oh my God. Like he's going fucking crazy on the other end of that phone. So anyways, that's my deal with black Christmas. I fucking love it. It's one of the best flashers out there. It's scary as shit. Um, it's extremely still effective after all these years of being desensitized with horror films and brutality. Like, this still gets under my skin. Wasn't there, like, a tagline about the movie? Like, make, like it makes yeah, your skin... If this movie skin, doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Yeah, yes. like, I fucking love that shit. But um yeah man this it's it's extremely it's extremely good. That's all. <laughs> Are you sure? I I love it. Brian Sauer? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you man. I'm with you. It's it's interesting because you watch it and obviously it's highly influential. I don't like I'm I'm with you Brad. I don't know about Halloween. But it feels familiar in a lot of ways, you know, like killer in the house kind of thing. You know, you could go to something, another movie that's great 
is when a stranger calls and that's like five years later. Um, classic, you know, you know, same kind of reveal, but, um, it's, it's, so it's familiar, but it still feels effective, you know, and especially the ending, like you said, like that just really where you, you could be watching it and going, I've kind of seen this before and not maybe being able to think about it in the context of when it came out, which I totally don't blame people for. That's not really their, fully their responsibility. You know, if they've seen something, it's familiar to them, you know, they can't help but be like, well, this is kind of like something else I've seen that came out later. But then you get to the ending and I just feel like, yeah, it really kind of, it's, it's just a dark, dark movie. And, uh, again, for the time that it came out and even now, it just, I don't know, there's something really, um, memorable and uh, like you said, just straight up scary about it that, uh, I can kind of see why people get obsessed with it and how it could end up as somebody's favorite film or favorite horror film. I mean, that's a lot to live up to, but regardless, there's really something special about it and I'm excited that, uh, it's getting this, you know, and this third Blu-ray, I guess, or yeah. I don't know how many. Yeah, but, third Blu-ray. Yeah. So it's great. I just, I, I think everybody should check it out. And I think for those that haven't seen it, you know, just definitely pick it up because it's worth, it's definitely yeah, it a little looks, look. It, it looks great. I mean, yeah, it is very grainy, but that's how, what it's supposed to look like. I mean, it's 1974. And it's a low budget indie. Like, yeah. and the negative's probably pretty fucking beat up from what it is. Like, it's, it's a good transfer. Um, you know, the screen factory did a decent job on this one. Well, I mean, you know, who they, knows what kind of film stock they used uh, right. you know, on a low budget Canadian film at that time? You know, it's, it's not going to look like, you know, HD, you know, it's not going to look, I mean, it is HD, but it's not going to look like, you know, digital or yeah, even, crystal clear. Or anything yeah. It's like just that. not going to look like that. And to be honest, I don't need movies to look like that. And I'm not having a backlash against that, but there are times when it feels like, you know, you miss the, and we, I'm sure we've talked about it on this show and other shows, just you miss that sort of uh, dirty quality of an old VHS transfer in some ways. And, and this is the, not that just to be clear, but it's, it's got enough sort of grain and uh, grit to it that it, it just brings something across that makes the film again, more effective. Very nice. One, one, one scene that I thought was uh, really funny in hindsight, just because of how technology has, ch- has changed when they're trying to trace the phone call. And that guy's in that back room of the police station just running or wherever he's at, just running back and forth, trying to actually visually see, you know, <laughs> where the phone call is coming from. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And the, and the other thing that I, I really enjoyed about the film that's very odd is that the comedy that is played throughout, like we already have a kill. Within the first five minutes, we have the numerous phone calls, you know, um, but we have the comedy with, uh, what do you call it? Like the den mother? What do you call those people? Oh, yeah. Um, like the uh, sorority mother? House you mother, have, yeah. Yeah, right. house mother. You have like, you know, uh, oh, her, her, her drinking, you know, the, the, the father of the dead girl is there, but there's so much comedy involved with him. Like, you know, seeing the picture of the grandma flicking, you know, doing the middle finger, um, you know, the, uh, the house mother trying to cover up the, the, the butt from the peace sign, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, and then, you know, she's talking about the cat and, you know, he like pops up, 
when, you know, she's swearing and then he like goes downstairs and then she's like flicking him off. Just a a large amount of comedy for something where it's like, wait a second, this guy is going to find out his daughter was brutally murdered. Like, it's just like a very odd part to play comedy with someone like that rather than maybe someone who's not going to be affected or has yet been affected by, um, you know, the death is happening. And then during all the fucking like in the middle of the film, when the deputy brings in the the phone number for John Saxon, it's fellatio. (laughs) And like, like it's even great because the deputy's credit is laughing deputy or (laughs) laughing officer in, in the credits. But it's just a really funny scene. And he's like, oh, this means something dirty, doesn't it? You know, and it's just like it's very, very funny. But and then we, you know, we switch and then the fucking, you know, things are going crazy. It's just it's very odd pacing of comedy, but it works as well. Like it's a great break, but it's just you don't see that in in horror films. You don't see comedy happening during you know, such a brutal time. Usually it's in the very beginning to set up characters to kind of basically show who's going to die and who's going to live. All this guy's being a fucking riot. Obviously he's going to get, you know, an ax to the face, you know, but it's just, uh, it's just oddly paced. Um, but it works, you know, it's not jarring. It's just, I guess it's unsettling. Like we don't, we shouldn't be laughing, but we are. And I think that's another part of the film that makes it so effective well it's all within um, character too like so that's kind of like the the characters are like i i don't know what kind of college they're in but everyone's like trying to hide the fact that they're drinking uh throughout the film you know where the um uh mrs mac i guess is her name is is the sorority mother and she has that hollowed out book you know with her whiskey in it or whatever and she's well, i don't think the Steve. house mother is supposed to be drinking while brushing her teeth yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Like, it's just funny how how the lengths they go through to hide their drinking. You know, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, depend what, what kind of college it was supposed to be, you know, or if that was you know the case with most colleges back then. I don't think so. Like, I don't. Well, I don't. Know. Maybe I don't think you're supposed to be drinking like at your sorority or your frat. Like, you know, that's done like during the weekend where no one's. No one's seeing it. I, I mean, it's it's just it's funny. not like it's a, it's a funny. It's not like they the publicly embrace like alcoholism or alcohol during in college. They try to prevent you because you binge drink and you die. Like it's a very common thing. So I, I think that even back in the seventies, they were pushing for a no booze thing. Yeah, I think you know? it's, I think it's like maybe sort of a holdover from like I don't know forties, fifties sororities where it was like very prim and proper mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, sort of bastions of good behavior and, and exemplary sort of stuff. And, and this sorority is like, like <laughs> sort of like not that, but yeah. it's, but it wants to perpetuate being that. And obviously that's what the dad of the murdered girl thinks is that, that it's a very, right. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That I think that's, sense. that's how yeah, I took yeah. it. Yeah, but, and, and they need to because the two people that are drinking in the fucking film are alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> Jamaro Kidder's drunk through the whole entire film. Yeah. The oh house God. mother 
has fucking she's brush, brushing her teeth with alcohol that's from the fucking yeah. toilet. <laughs> you know, she's got a book cut out. She's got you know an empty one in the closet. And like she's, she's pulling out alcohol in every scene. Yeah, and she can barely make it home with the groceries. You know, because she's uh, so that tells you right there that's yeah. the reason why they don't want alcohol and hide it because if you do, you're a fucking alcoholic. Yeah, and you know when when the character goes for the the, the bottle in the toilet tank, you know that there's just it's just like a giant flashing red sun that's like total fucking alcoholic. Like my wife and I were watching that, and she was just like, "Oh no!" Like, yeah, it's pretty gross too. Yeah, know? it's super gross. It's like still toilet water, and like you know, like you could say like, "Oh well, it's not in the bowl," but it's still up and around the part of the bottle you're drinking out of it. So anyway, it's covered in a cap, right? Or is it was it not covered? I, it was oh, covered, covered but, but you're but, still pulling it out like it's still oh well, yeah and, and you're fish. still putting your mouth on the glass yeah, that yeah. was in the toilet so anyway desperate times call for des- desperate measure exactly it did make me want to have a, a book that's cut out though, to, <laughs> I know. not for booze but just for something i don't know i, I know me too i thought about it too i was like i don't i don't really own <clears> i own a bunch of books but like they're never oh, that's the great thing like they're never used and so no one would ever know but i have like nothing <laughs> to hide so it's like i gotta find something to really well, hide Step one, Sean, get something to hide. Step two, <laughs> get the book. I'll just, you know, I'll just put a, I'll, I'll put some uh, whiskey in a flask and just, just put it in there just for the heck of it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. My, my wife's like, why do you keep going to the bookcase? You never read. <laughs> <laughs> it's war and peace. I just, yeah. It's time. All right. Um, you probably took like three bottles out of all war and peace. Exactly. There you go. Roads and airports are officially closed. This one is not gonna let up. A group of college friends. That sucks. Everyone should be home for Christmas. Are about to discover. Lauren, we're opening up presents. Why don't you open the present we got you? Their house. I got it. Is his home. All is calm. All is bright. Who is in my house tonight? Don't you have lots of toys to deliver to good little boys and girls? You really shouldn't provoke somebody like that. And on December 25th... You're definitely getting punked. Is that Santa's reindeer? All he wants for Christmas... Is Megan in her room? Is a new family he can treat like his very own... Let's go ahead and jump into talking about the uh, the the remake now, Brian. You haven't seen the remake, which is which is fine. Brad and I will definitely make up for that. So we're gonna we'll we'll basically act like we're we're telling you about the remake. Yes. Brian. Was this the first time for you on this one too? Yes. Sean? I I had always avoided it too, just because number one, I hadn't seen the original, and most of the time, if I can, I'd like to see the original and then watch the remake. But um, but I never. I, I'd always I saw it come out, and I just heard. I had heard bad things about it. You know, it was just, it was never really like, it, it seems like it's the remake's been gaining traction these past few years, especially. Oh, well, I have something to say about that. Well, I mean, I, just, just from what I've seen, cause when it first came out, I know that it was very much like overlooked and yeah, it, 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 it took a shit people, beating. Yeah. People it hated out. it. And I mostly had heard bad things except for a few people. Brad, you've always been a big fan of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've okay. Always so been a big fan. you and Brian Connolly, who works at, um, one of the video stores Vulcan. in Vulcan. Exactly. He's a big fan of it. And you two guys alone, I was like, well, I should really get around to seeing this. Uh, and I never did. And I'm, I've always meant to, I think I still have the HD DVD. Maybe I don't, I, I might've gotten rid of it, but, um, that was one of those HD DVDs that I got pretty cheap, but I was like, 
I think you Brad, you said that that's the only version that's uncut in HD. Well, actually, like, I was like looking uncut, right or no? Well, the thing is, is that the HD DVD. I, I was when I was researching on Voodoo, it doesn't say it's unrated, but it, it says is unrated. Yeah. It oh, actually, it? yeah, it says it. It doesn't say it when you are looking at it, but once you start playing it, it actually says unrated at the top. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Um, so it is the unrated. That. It's the unrated version. However. The HD DVD has all the alternate endings oh. and all the alternate deaths. Hmm. Wow! In the film, because cool. there's actually two alternate deaths in the um, and I, I believe those are looped into the HD HD DVD because there is an international cut of the movie that's 95 minutes, and that's where the change happens because what we have like on Vudu and DVD. On the unrated is ninety two minutes. Now, would you say that the unrated cut is still the best cut of the film, or would you say the international cut's the best cut of the film? International is the best cut okay. of the film. So, the only one readily available because it's is mainly because of the Mel, uh, Michelle uh, Trachenberger death. Because in the version that mostly everybody's seen, she's up against the window, and Agnes throws something at her head, and like her head just like it fucking goes right through her head, yeah, and she just throws the the. Uh, Ice the skate. unicorn, yeah. Well, the, the yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice, like slices something off, but you just see. But it see, in the international cut, she wrestles with her on the stairs, and she has the very, a very similar death to um, the second kill in the film with the girl that's up in the attic. Like she puts a bag over her head and then rips her eyeballs out, and Agnes eats them. Whoa. And then she, digs her fingers into Michelle Trachenberger's skull and then starts dragging her by her eye holes. Oh, damn it. So that part's not in the unrated cut. Wow. Yeah, right. the unrated cut is just... So the eye-eating and the skull dragging. Yeah, it's only well, on the... eye-eating. I mean, let's... Oh, is there yeah, there is, in there's the still eye-eating. There's oh. actually, like, three sequences of eye-eating. Oh, God. Wow. Um, but, like... That's what I'm saying. Move. That's that's all right. Let's start from the beginning. Yeah, yeah we're, sorry, we're getting sorry. ourselves here. So, <laughs> Glenn Morgan, who is the creator of Final Destination, um, who uh, is uh, uh, basically co-creator of the X Files, who directed the remake of Willard with Crispin Glover, um, who is actually um, what's his name? Fucking um, God damn it! Uh, Roger Marcus in Trick or Treat. Ragman's best friend is Glenn Morgan. It's the only acting he's ever done. Nice. Ragman's friend is the director of Black Christmas. So anyways, um, you know, he's got a pretty good, like, resume. And so when he goes to attack this, you know, basically this remake of one of the best horror films ever created, I mean, what do you do? to try to spin it and make it your own. Because that's the one thing I always look for in remakes is that, yeah, I love remakes. If you want to remake any film, I'm on board because you're remaking something. I love. I mean, it's mostly something I love. If it's something I don't like, maybe you can make it better. That's how I look at it. Um, but if you're going to remake something, I don't want to fucking see psycho, even though psychos a great film, the original, but when Gus Van Sant did it, it was like, what the fuck is the fucking point? You know, you're Tate, you're not doing something on your own. You're just recreating what Hitchcock did. He does which I think add is, some masturbation sounds. Well, right. the one thing, one thing I I heard as his justification for it, and I don't know if this is true now, but 
I think he said that he had worked with Matt Damon a lot, obviously, and he said that at the time, Matt Damon refused to watch black and white movies. Now, in my opinion, you're just an asshole if you refuse to watch black and white movies, but that's neither here nor there, and I don't mean to be so militant about it. But so he was saying that the reason he would do a movie like that is to bring this story, this, I, you know, this whatever, to those people that would, that for them, a stumbling block is... Black and white is a total stumbling block. I don't think that's a reason to do that. what he did, but that was one of the reasons I heard him say was that for those people who would never see wow. the black and white psycho, he, he did it for them. And I don't, uh, I don't know what that. I don't like it. I don't either. I, I think mm. it's bullshit, but. No, sir, but, I don't like it. Yeah, if, if you do, if you do a remake, you know, I, I think one of the best remakes out there in the entire history of remakes is pretty much The Hills of Eyes by Alexandra Aja. Like, it stays completely true to the original, but I might also like it adds, better than the original. I don't know. Maybe not. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people do, but it's like, it's so effective. The new stuff that is added makes sense. It's great. It gives a little bit more gas in, you know, for it to run. Um, because I think that, there's a little too much like playing around in the original. I like how fast, fast paced that this, you know, the remake is. So when you do a remake, you want to add something new and that's what Glenn Morgan did, you know, but according to the, you know, horror fans, quote unquote, you know, don't touch the original because it's perfect the way it is. Uh, well, I enjoy this because he actually made it batshit crazy, which, uh, Billy Lens, Lens now is still the killer. Uh, who ha- who looks like Yellow Bastard from yeah, Sin City? I was about to say that because he has the this. First thing I tweeted when I got to watch the film. He has he has a real skin. It's actually a real skin disease, and it does turn you yellow. But we have a bi- yellow Billy lens, and we also quickly, not really a spoiler, um, you know off the bat that there's two killers in the film. Oh yeah, like I, I, um, I, I, I which is even you, better. I was so confused. I was like. Hold on a second, because I had just watched the original the day before. I was like, okay, so is there a weird timeline thing going on, or is there two killers? And I was like, ah, there's two killers. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, you quickly you quickly is revealed that there's two killers. Yeah, I love that um, idea. I, uh, that's cool. But it makes, it amplifies it twofold, because now we don't have to run from Billy. We have to run from Agnes as well, which is great, because it's not like it's made up. Um, for the film, because in the original, he talks about Agnes and a baby. Mm-hmm. And then you actually get to see kind of the exposition of those phone calls that are done. Yeah. You get to see the exposition, uh, you know, because they film all that shit and they have a backstory for Billy about the baby, about Agnes and this very incestual weird shit that happens. And so um, Agnes, I think it adds to the like movie. 10 years past Billy. By the time well, the end of the movie, it's, it's like an incest. Is that why she's she not, looks like a dude? Well, well, it's a little. She's supposed <laughs> to be like sixteen, but she's right. played by like a forty-year-old man. <laughs> she's not supposed to be sixteen. Twenty, because, um, well, in night in the beginning of the in <laughs> in nineteen ninety one, because she's already like. Billy Wait. was 13 when his mom uh, does the deed. Does the deed. Yeah, so it was like 91, and then the movie technically takes place in 2006. So. He looks too young. That's all I'm going to say. Billy, but anyways, Billy it's fucking it's incest, dude. I mean, you fucking look what happened to Hills Have Eyes. 
Look how Mars looks. Mars is 12. Right, right. Okay. All joke. right. It's All right. Fair enough. Okay. You don't like my jokes today. Um, <laughs> Sorry, they're just... But I mean, <coughs> your jokes yeah, are just they're, they're looks... a level above my comprehension, I guess. She I no, they're just really stupid. Um <laughs> But, you know, yeah, she, she looks odd, but it's fucking, in, it's fucking horror film. He's yellow. You know? So, um, or, or whatever the fuck it is. Um, but I love the angle that Glenn Morgan plays because we're not only going to do kind of the same movie and, okay, we can't really do this reveal because you can't nowadays, you can't call a landline because it will say the call you're trying to make cannot be completed as dialed, you know? So that takes that completely out of the picture. You know, he can still call, but now we have cell phones that are involved. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, he added what he needed to in order to make the story work in a modern day setting. Um, and it's fucking brutal too. Like, you know, the thing is in the original film, like, there is a lot of brutal moments, but it's more or less like, you know, like I said, the phone calls, um, you know, kind of the stabbing, like, it's like, Oh shit. Like 1974, you got to think you fucking stabbing people in the eyeballs with fucking unicorn glass or a glass unicorn. I keep saying that backwards. Um, you know, it's pretty, pretty heavy. And now we have eyeball eating and people getting dragged by their skulls, like with their fingers and their eye sockets. Man, that's pretty fucking heavy, you know. Um, and I, I, I love the eating kills. is just disgust, like gooey, gross. Oh, it's like, a very gross, like grapes. Oh, yeah, it's very, it's a very greasy Ugh. movie. But I'll tell you what, like, it's fine. You can hate Black Christmas, you know, the remake. That's fine. But this is one of the best looking horror films to date. Like, as far as production value and set dressings. In cinematography, this movie looks fucking gorgeous. Like the fucking Christmas lights, the, the just the, you know, it's so dark and like the light, like Christmas lights just put this new kind of like, I don't know, instead of using cheesy, like, you know, lighting techniques, like they're using actually Christmas lights to light their sets. You know, because always like in a horror film, like you have this red red mist of this light come through, and you're like, "Where the fuck is red light coming from in the fucking hospital?" You know, and it's like it's supposed to be the exit sign that's glowing, but we all know exit signs don't glow that much. But like this actually works because you know you have the lights flickering on and off, like it just kind of gives this creepy setting, like the original did, but it looks very very pretty. Like, an outside, and plus the fucking cast in this movie. Like, it's really well done. I mean, I know Lacey Chambert is not, you know, some, you know, fucking A-list actress. But she serves her purpose. Michelle Trachenberg is great. You know. Mary um, Elizabeth Winstead's in this. Yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Like, it has a great cast. And also, uh, what's her name? Um, God, she's she's really pretty, too. That Kristen, Kristen Cloak, who plays... Uh, um, the older sister that comes yeah. by, like when this movie starts, you are given, you know, that darn cat girl, you're given the party of five girl <laughs> and sweet Mary Elizabeth Winstead. You're like, wait a second. Not all three of these ladies are going to fucking survive. Like what is happening? But like, that's what I love about it because the same thing is in the original, like 
you can't pick your survivor girl right away. Mm-hmm. You're just basing her off the screen time she's getting. This one, it's like Mary Elizabeth Winstead's going to live, right? Like, come on, she's got to. But like, it switches up, and the two people that you that end up through most of the film, you don't expect, and that's what I love about it. Is it's yeah. very unpredictable, and you know you have just two killers that are fucking relentless. That are I mean, Ag- you know, Agnes was almost scarier than Billy in this. Dude, the fucking fight scene up in the attic, yeah, is fucking like hardcore. Like I love that shit. Like everything about the film, like fighting through the house up until the fucking like Halloween two esque ending, <laughs> like I fucking love it. You know, and I I love movies that take place like you know a, a setting like a one location and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, we're in another location and we're going to finish out this fucker. And I, 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 I fucking love that ending. And I, I love the movie in general. Like I understand where the hate comes from. If they didn't literally, if they didn't call this black Christmas, they probably would have got away with it. Like, and people probably would have been more accepting to it. Maybe. I mean, but it, People would get it though because of the whole Billy thing and everything. I mean, but no, 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 right no I, un- I understand that, but I'm just saying change the names of the characters. Yeah. And shit. Yeah. And literally, it's you, like kind of like the setup. And, you know, they obviously have, um, you know, homages to the original. I mean, the whole setup for the beginning kill is the, you know, the, the kill in the first in the original mm-hmm. film is the first kill. I mean, she gives the one Dorothy girl gives. You know, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, the, you know, glass unicorn. I mean, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, relate to the first film, but there's also a lot of shit that's like, what the fuck is happening? Like he, like in the film, he takes a cookie cutter, he cuts off skin off his mother's back and then cooks it as cookies and eats it with milk. Like that's really fucked up. And that's what I love about the film because like it's just not gory. It's over the fucking top. It's it's disgusting. Like it's disgusting. It's a really gross gory. movie. Ugh. I love it. It's so fucking good. No, no. And yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, the the best like what you've said is right about remakes. Like the best remakes. I mean, the best remakes know that why the original is a classic, and they're not gonna try to you know outdo the classic. They're gonna do their own exactly. Song. And that's, and that's, that's what, what Glenn Morgan didn't set out to do. It's just a he, bat. It's a bat shit crazy. Yeah. Uh, remake christmas i think in this one is a lot more overplayed like i'm not not in a bad way like you know this is a christmas beautiful there's christmas decorations Um, yeah i mean the with the music and and everything like this is more this is almost more of a christmas movie than the original black christmas like they played they weave it into the story more and the production and and the you know the soundtrack and everything which is fun like it makes it really it it makes it in, in a weird way you know fun and of the season but uh yeah like just the the decision to just step this thing up and just make it gross like the gross gore which i I feel like we don't see that much lately in horror films especially Um, no such mainstream yeah because this movie was everywhere on christmas day in 2006 i went to the theater on christmas day at night to go see this because i was (laughs) fucking stoked like, I love Black Christmas growing up. I still love it. Yeah, it's still one of my favorite slashers. 
No, I don't think that the remake is better than the original. However, I look at it as a completely different movie and something that amplified. Like, I feel that Glenn Morgan went into it and was like, dude, I love Black Christmas and I have an opportunity to remake it. I'm going to not try to outdo the original. I'm going to make my own movie and just fucking amplify it like yeah. ten. Like, I, I love that attitude. Yeah. Because it's not a fucking – you know, oh, I'm like fucking that's the one thing I didn't enjoy about Rob Zombie is kind of his attitude, like, you know, behind it when his interviews like he was like, oh, I love Halloween. Like I was like, OK, this is perfect. You love Halloween. That's the reason why you're a filmmaker. Let's see you do it. And he's like then he's like, well, the one thing I didn't like about the original, it's like, OK, so you want to fix something like nothing needs to be fixed because nothing's broken. Dude. Right. There are classics for like make your own movie. And he did. However, like he oh, whatever. I'm not going to get into fucking Halloween. All right. Discussion. We, we need to move along into our top 10 Blu-rays. You need to relax. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. <laughs> watch uh watch black christmas watch the remake black you guys have sold me on it you sold me on it black i mean i was already Christmas. sold but but now it's like i need i feel like i need to watch it you know what? it's it's fun and it's and so I, underseen and it's one of those yeah. things where i think a lot of people jump to it and be like oh it sucks because they've never seen it or oh it sucks because they don't want to actually acknowledge that, hey, maybe I should set... This has nothing to do with the original film. I'm going to watch this film alone. And the one thing I want to mention that you mentioned in the beginning of this conversation is that a lot of people, like, are saying they like it. It's this fucking... And, you know, yes, I like Black Christmas, so I kind of sound like an idiot saying this in a way. But there's so many people that are horror elitists that they want to pick the one thing that people don't like and they want to fucking be like, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. You don't like it. Oh, my God. How could you not like it? And that happened with Blair Witch 2. And that pisses me off. Because <laughs> it's like you, the same people that are like it now gave me shit years ago for liking Blair Witch 2. Like, you know, and the, and the same thing's going to happen with Valentine. Watch. I fucking fucking love Valentine, but once Valentine's Valentine, a hoot, man. It once Valentine comes out on Blu-ray, there's going to be a shit ton of Valentine fans. Watch, guaranteed. Right. Mark your words. Mark, Mark your my words. Everybody. Everybody's going to fucking love Valentine. Oh, this is such a great movie. It's such a cult classic. No, no one liked this movie aside probably from Brian Collins. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah, and I Brian like Collins it. is with me on Blair Witch too. I think. I was gonna say, yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> nice. and I think he actually probably likes Black Christmas. I he, think he does. Yeah, I think he does actually. But then all these other people like tag along. They're like, oh yeah, it's great. You don't like it? Well, that's weird. And it's like, oh, relax. It's uh the the remake is available on Vudu, um, in, in the uncut version in HD. Uh, Black Christmas, the original, will be on available digitally when it's released. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, I think it, Black Christmas will either be released tomorrow or, uh, the, or buy it on grindhousestudio.com. Heck yeah. Um, so it'll be on a Blu-ray and then it'll hit digital as well. Looks like that. It, it looks like Scream Factory and Shot Factory are starting to release their stuff, uh, on digital platforms the day of, uh, the Blu-ray releases. But of course, you don't get all this, you know, you don't get all the special features. So, just keep that in mind when you see start seeing uh, movies show up digital. Um, you know they're not gonna have all this, but unless it's like a you know unless it's like a a bare bones like uh, that uh, ghost movie that uh, what is it Ghost Town movie I talked about mm -hmm. last time Ghost Town. Um, 
And if you have Roku, you could just watch it on Shout Factory app. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have all their movies there. Very cool. All right, uh, let's, gentlemen, let's jump into our top 10 Blu-rays of 2016. Um, I think it's kind of the same time as last time. We got to kind of burn through these. Um, and, uh, one minute per movie. We'll, 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 we'll Ooh, nice. That's a challenge. Brian Sauer, I haven't heard your voice enough. Uh, yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> this, uh, this evening. So let's, are we going 10 to one? Uh, mine, uh, are, mine are not in any, Mine, mine, you know, my I didn't do mine like that this time, but I can. In any, in any, I can. Uh, I mean, mine's not a hard and fast ten, but so are we going to do each do? Are we going to do one and one or ten? No, just look, just look, just look through the list. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to listen to me talk for ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll ch- uh, we'll chime in. All right. Cool. All right. So this is like I said, loosely uh, top ten, but it, uh, any one of these could sort of shift around. Um, number ten spot. Arbitrarily, I put uh, Roller Coaster, which uh, Shout Factory brought out on Blu-ray this year. I'm a big fan of it. Um, it's real, basically, it's just the story of a crazy nut who's decided to blow up roller coasters and use that as an opportunity to extort money from different amusement parks, uh, or actually the corporation heads that own those. And Sam Bottoms plays the bomber, and George Siegel plays... Uh, a roller coaster inspector guy who ends up sort of ha- having a not a cat and mouse, but kind of a back and forth with uh, the the bomber guy. Um, and you know, so it's just like, what you know, park is he going to bomb next? And um, there's a really interesting um, roller coaster crash at the beginning where you see some dummies flat, but it's actually still kind of intense to watch because, you know, all of us have been on roller coasters at one point or another and you have that, I mean, you know, you can watch Final Destination 3 too, but um, this one's just got a pretty intense roller coaster crash at the beginning. So I don't know there's something about this movie. I've always kind of liked it. Um, It's just a, it's just a thriller, but it just reminds me of a time when there was no internet and, there was, you know, going to amusement parks was one of the many things you could do that people went outside, you know, and stuff. Anyway, <laughs> so that's that one. Um, number nine is Trouble Man. Um, oh shit, yeah, yeah, it's great, man. My probably top five black exploitation movies of all time for me. Wonderful soundtrack, dude. Oh so my gosh, good. yeah. I mean, the soundtracks. I mean, don't, yeah, Marvin Gaye did the soundtrack. Obviously, the the song Trouble Man cropped up in uh Captain America Winter Soldier prominently. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, which I loved. I I don't know. I kinda liked it. I, I thought that was cool that it showed up. Anyway, um Trouble Man's about um this guy, Mr. T, the original Mr. T, uh, who is just sort of like a jack of all trades gambler kind of um community dude who gets embroiled with some gangsters that are trying to frame him. Um, but he's just, 
I don't know. He's just a really great character and just a badass, but not in a way that's like campy, like Shaft sort of. He's like, I don't know. He's just cool. He's just a cool guy. I can't explain it. But um, for those that are into black exploitation, or if you're thinking about getting into black exploitation, I say start. Yeah, start with start with Trouble Man. Do Truck Turner, both of which have come out on Blu-ray from Kino Lover Studio Classics. Um, it's a great place to start. Those are two of my favorites. So I was psyched that, that came out. Uh, number eight is Time After Time. Um, Warner Archive put this one out. Uh, it's uh, I, I keep I'm just summarizing plots, but I feel like some of these plots you're gonna hear it and you're gonna go, okay, I want to see that. So the the gist of it is that um, Malcolm McDowell plays H.G. Wells. Uh, and in the context of this movie, H.G. Wells, who wrote the, the, the story, The Time Machine, actually invented a time machine and happens to invite a dude over to his house who he doesn't realize is actually Jack the Ripper. And the dude steals the time machine and goes into the future, uh, into 1979, which is when the movie came out, uh, to escape the authorities. And then H.G. Wells has to follow him to 1979 and like figure out where he where he went and try and stop him and it's it's intense and it's cool and um malcolm mcdowell's awesome in it and so is david warner and mary steenburgen and malcolm mcdowell and steenburgen actually fell in love while they're making the movie so their chemistry is kind of real and you can really dig it anyway it's a sci-fi kind of horrorish thing and it's just a great story it's from the director of star trek 2 uh nicholas meyer that's great i sorry i went long on that one um, little girl who lived down the lane. Uh, Ooh. yeah, yeah good, so good. good shit. It came out from Scorpion this Bucked year. Up too, man. Jesus, totally Christ. twisted. It's actually movie. a first time for me watching that this year. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, like, dude. <laughs> talk about uncomfortable. It's such a fucking weird movie, man. I mean, it's like basically J- Jodie Foster in her teen years, uh, is living in this house, and you can't tell like where her parents are. And then, uh, Martin Sheen, who plays the son of the landlady is like poking around and like, kind of like trying to come on to her and total, be a total pedophile freak. Um, so there's like this thriller aspect of like, is he going to rape her or what's going to happen and what's up with her parents? And it's just this great mystery story that that's sort of happening. And Jodie Foster's amazing. And so is Martin Sheen. And so is the Jacoby kid that plays like her boyfriend guy. Oh yeah. He's great. I love the Jacobis. Um, and he's good in it, but that's highly recommend. That's like one of my favorite, like an all time favorite. It's so good. Um, uh, fantastic planet came out from criterion. Um, more of a sci-fi thing, you know, a really cool, like, I forget what kind of animation. It's like punch animation or cutout animation, but it's this really interesting animation style. Um, and it's basically about this planet where, like, this race of giants has, like, this, you know, smaller race of people that they use as, like, toys, basically. And, and there's a lot of weird parallels and message stuff to it but it's just a fascinating fucking movie it's just beautiful and the criterion blu-ray looks amazing i've been, I've been on the fence to getting this i've been wanting to get that i've never seen it pick um, it up dude sean like, just get oh it my God, dude, seriously yeah. just get it it's 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 like a classic and, and you'll totally i can't see you not appreciating it from a sci-fi you're yeah. a sci-fi dude you'll totally yeah. dig it it's the 70s right like 73 it's yeah it's like yeah, I want to say that's right. Yeah. It feels almost like 60s though, huh. like late 60s, but regardless, it's it's just a really cool movie. Like 
there's just not many animated movies like it. The the style and everything and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm getting too carried. I'm going long here. I'm trying to. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> sorry. 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 So, so uh, number five, Blood and Black Lace. Uh, I feel like we talked about it yes! when, I was, <laughs> when I was on the show before. It's on my it list. On the U.S. <laughs> yeah, because now it's out on the U.S. So I mean, I kind of had to give a nod to it because it's fucking great. It's probably my favorite so Mario good. Bava movie. And it's just like dripping with style. I mean, oh, it's so good. It's I'll it's t- kind. I'll, I'll talk a little bit on that one too. Like, or go ahead, finish. No, no, finish, no. Finish. Yeah, go for it, dude. No, just saying. Like, it, as far as like one of the best looking Blu-rays to actually exist yeah. for this year, oh, yeah, it's oh, probably yeah. the number one. Like, That's it's cool. absolutely beautiful. Like the work that they put into this movie, oh, like to bring that transfer, is just stunning. It's gorgeous. It's brutal. It's uh, it's it's just it's just a very stylish uh, giallo, kind of what giallo should be built around. Yeah, it's it's a very good suspenseful movie as well. Yeah, I just I think people that love Sam Raimi, like and haven't seen a Mario Bava movie, should just go back and watch this one because like he stole straight up stole a couple shots straight out of Blood and Black Lace. Like there's the there's a swinging uh light bulb in a room shot that might get blood splattered on it that I think that I think that's straight out of this movie. Anyway, tons of great style for miles. I mean, it's just such a gorgeous movie. And if it doesn't make you want to check out some more Baba movies, I'd be highly surprised. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're totally right, Brad. One of the best transfers of the year for sure. Yeah. Um, and a lot next, of work went into that apparently too. But, so. uh, that's cool. I mean, arrow man, I, I got to give them credit. They're, they're really cranking on it. I got my, Creep Show Two coming in the mail tomorrow, so uh, I mean I'm I'm fully supporting their shit. Um, next up is uh, Pretty Poison. Um, this one came out from Twilight Time last month, and it's one of my favorite cult movies. It's one of the first movies that I ever discovered through the Danny Perry cult movie books. Um, it's a really cool story about um, Anthony Perkins plays like this guy who got out of a, a mental institution to get a job on an assembly line at a lumber yard. And people have talked about how the, the lumber, yeah, excuse me, the lumber yard in the town that that takes place in is likely an influence on Twin Peaks, just as far as the layout and how it feels. So that's a whole other thing. But the great thing is that he's kind of nuts. He meets this girl played by Tuesday Weld and sells her on the idea that he's a spy and she kind of goes along with it and then kind of suckers him into kind of helping her out with some dirty work that she wants to have taken care of. Like, I don't want to go too much further than that, but it's, they're both fantastic. And for anybody that just thinks, uh, Anthony Perkins is, you know, Norman Bates, highly recommended because the dude is just so great outside of them. He did so many, I mean, play it as it lays is another amazing movie he was in. Um, there's a movie called The Tall Story, which is a goofy comedy that he was in. I love Anthony Perkins, and I think people underrate him in a way because they think of him as Norman Bates and nothing else. But Pretty Poison is the movie I always direct people to if they dig him at all and they don't know this. It's just great. I, I love it. Um, and then number three is Carnival of Souls, which is just an upgrade from the um, Criterion DVD. Um, I think it's missing uh, a cut of the movie. I can't remember which. Yeah, it's a uh, director's, director's cut or something. Yeah. One of them's missing. I can't remember if it's theatrical. I think it has the director's cut. or it de- I don't remember. But regardless, um, great Twilight Zone episode of a movie and just a cool low-budget thing that from a filmmaker that 
was mostly making industrial films and didn't really do a lot of movies after this, but was able to find this great location in where the fuck is it's like the, I want to say it's in Utah near the great salt Lake or something It's like this abandoned, um, amusement park. Maybe I'm make me. I'm fucking this up, but regardless, it's a really cool location. I think he saw it when he was doing a road trip somewhere and he was like, Oh, I got to make a movie around this location. And when you see the final act of the movie, you'll see why it's just such a perfect fit. And it, and he does, it's, it's like an early zombie movie and it's a twilight zone episode. And it's just, uh, it's super cool. I mean, it might be too cheesy for some people. You might have to suspend your disbelief a little bit to go back with it, but I think it's great. Um, so that's a great cri- criterion that came out and looks good. And then one more criterion, uh, cat people, um, that's a, the classic, not the remake, uh, which I like too, but the Jacques Turner, um, Val Luton movie, um, is to me like a horror classic in the vein of the universal monster movies, like, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman. I feel like cat people is just, just off an offshoot. I mean, it's, it's actually in that same, I mean, it's in the same decade, as that stuff and it's pre creature from the black lagoon, but I feel like it's a movie that doesn't get talked about along with those. It's just a great, um, literate, you know, well-made movie about, um, you know, sort of what the horrors of what you can't see and sexuality. And, and it's, I don't know. It's basically about a woman who turns into a cat, but you don't really see that that much. And the scariest scene is like a woman in a swimming pool where you just hear a cat growling around her and it's still really effective. Um, and it's also the origination sort of the original spot for the sound buses, like, you know, jump scares basically. In this case, they would have buses come up off screen and just the air brakes would come on and scare the living shit out of everybody watching the movie. And that was like the, one of the first times that that happened. So it's one of the sort of the originations of the jump scare. Now that may piss you off and you may be like, well, fuck that. But it's actually pretty cool for a movie from 1942 or whatever. Um, so I like that one a lot. And then the number, my number one is going to be pretty obvious if you know me at all, because it's my favorite movie of all time and Scream Factory put out a hell of a good edition of it. And that's the thing that John Carpenter, the collector's edition, um, just amazing. Uh, I was so, so floored and excited about this release and so happy they put it out. I mean, I'm not going to say much about the thing. I mean, everybody's seen the fucking thing, but if you, if you're holding off on buying the collector's edition for some reason, you're crazy. Buy it. It's great. <laughs> you should own it. Um, and that's it. I know I went over, way over 10 minutes, but. It's all right, bro. It's all good, man. Try to try to clip through it. Yeah, it's not. It's not gonna be perfect. No. Yeah. What you guys got? Well, mine can be a little bit shorter, um, because you already mentioned Blood and Black Lace, so that was in my uh, my top ten. Um, and then I'm gonna mention one because I know it's on Sean's uh, top ten. Was um, all right. So we got Blood and Black Lace, of course, which I just mentioned. Um, of course, as far as a set goes, I thought they did a great, really great job with American Horror Project, ah. which, uh, oh, the, witch, call. the witch that came from the yeah. sea and, you know, Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. And, um, it's just like, it's a great set. It's a, you know, really well put together by Stephen Thrower picking the films, great transfers. Is, um, is volume two coming, by the way? I thought I heard apparently it. Apparently March. March. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, and then, uh, I'll do my criterions. So, nice. uh, 
<laughs> Bicycle Thieves has always oh, been. Oh, dude, a, a I really... saw that for the first time on that Blu-ray. I should have put that on my list. Dude, it's it's <sighs> it, it's a, it's such a great movie. I, I saw it in film class years ago, and it just kind of blew to. me away. Um, and it's just it, it's just a very you know normal story where you know this hardworking um, you know you know poor man his his, his bicycle uh is stolen and they go to him and his son go to try to find it and it's uh, just a very cute and at times dramatic story and just kind of shows you kind of a different side um you know it's not even middle class it's you know it's right after a uh, war in italy um, and just kind of, uh, you know, just I wouldn't say coming of age, but it's just a really great father and son uh, adventure um, and just kind of kind of heartbreaking at the same time. Oh, yeah. But a uh, re- really, really great film. Um, and then uh, my other criterion was um, Easy Rider. Uh, Dennis Hopper, uh, they did a great job on this package deal uh, for Easy Rider. Uh you know, just such a great experimental film, and it's kind of hard to believe that it was so successful. But I guess people were looking for something different, um, especially hitting that you know the late late sixties. Um, Dennis Hopper making his uh, directorial debut. Um, if you watch, if you haven't seen Easy Rider, watch Easy Rider, and then turn right around and grab Vinegar Syndrome's The American Dreamer. Oh yeah, dude. This is that documentary about Dennis Hopper trying to make his next movie called The Last Movie. Uh, Popping off the success of Easy Rider, trying to do something as great, just a very intimate portrait of his life in the craziness that is behind Dennis Hopper. And you kind of see where Easy Rider comes from because he's fucking crazy. Um, That's a next great up Sorry. was uh, oh, it's it's wonderful and it's beautiful because it hasn't really been seen. It was kind of you know a lost documentary. Um, next up was uh, I got a few arrows on here. Um, Bloodbath, the, um, Jack Hill, uh, well, Jack Hill came in and did, a, a, you know, a cut of the film. So Arrow included all four cuts of Bloodbath, um, on, on their, on their set. Um, Jack Hill's version, of course, is, uh, what I consider the best. I watched actually three of the four I watched. Um, I, I love this movie. I love the atmosphere that it creates. It's a really bizarre film. Um, it jumps around. It's a little batshit crazy. Um, and just, I, I, I like Jack Hill. He's not celebrated enough because he did everything, you know, from, from horror to black exploitation to exploitation to sexploitation. You know, fucking swinging cheerleaders and fucking bloodbath and spider baby and fucking pit stop, man. Yeah, he, yeah, pit stop. He's just all over the fucking switchblade sisters. Oh, He's dude, just all over the place. He's such a fantastic filmmaker. Uh, so it was nice to have uh, seeing this for the first time for me, and then seeing uh, kind of uh, you know what happened behind. There's a huge story behind the film of you know the producers that were involved, the different cuts of the film. Um, but definitely a nice package by Arrow putting that together. Um, next up, another uh, Arrow release was um, uh, Zero Boys. I've always been a big fan of Zero Boys. I think it's a, a great um, you know little action film we've covered on the show uh, a couple times. I know Sean uh, spoke about it. I spoke about it. Um, but just a group of uh, buddies that are you know military have live ammunition with them 
them uh, on this uh, trip that they take, and they are attacked by um, some crazies, some local crazies, and they have to stay alive through the night. Uh, great action film, wonderfully done. Uh, Nico Matsarakis is the director, which if you know him, he's really fucking balls of the wall crazy. Um, you know, any guy that has a movie where a guy fucks a goat, uh, which is not Zero Boys, but um, he, he's batshit fucking insane. Uh, and Zero Boys is a little bit more tame from what he's, you know, usually doing. Yeah. I, I have um, Hired to Kill. I haven't watched that one yet, but I'm excited. Yeah, Hired to Kill is fucking great. I, I guess that's actually, I take that back. That's probably more tame than everything. Um, uh, next up was, uh, this was, like, it's sad because this didn't get enough play because it was released by an independent company um, that does kind of, they do pornography on the side, <laughs> and they don't have a lot of U.S. distribution. Like, a lot of their stuff is, uh, I don't know where they're from, but they don't actually have a lot of stuff coming out here. So this is exclusive through, like, Amazon, and you really couldn't get it anywhere else, um, was uh, Jeff Lieberman's edition of Blue Sunshine finally came out on Blu-ray. And they did a 4K transfer of it, Distribute Picks did, and they only sold it exclusively through their site for a little while. And then they finally put, you know, a, it says used copies, but you can buy them on Amazon directly from uh, Distribute Picks. So um, Blue Sunshine had like a fucking like three disc set. There's so much shit that comes with this. They even have little things of like looks like acid that, you know, like little acid pills that are in the fucking Blu-ray. But a, an amazing transfer. Uh, they did a 4K transfer on this. Uh, Jeff Lieberman's by far his best film. Uh, Zalman King and who's the Deborah? Um, is it Deborah Winters? Is is the other? I think it's Deborah Winters. Yeah, Deborah Winters. Um, Zalman King is fucking insane. He's so great. He plays such like he's so charismatic, but he's also like he's crazy. He looks like he's crazy. He looks like he's going crazy. And if people aren't familiar with Blue Sunshine, uh, all these like murders start popping up all over the place by these fucking maniacs who are bald. And it turns out that uh, most of them dropped this like special LSD like years and years ago. And now it's like affecting them all and they're turning it, turning into murderers. And Zalman King is trying to get to the bottom of it. And it just kind of gets really batshit insane. Um, it's extremely well done. It's, very goofy at times as well, but it works because it's a kind of a drug movie. Um, but, uh, really well done. It's like, it was like $35, but in, I think people were thinking they were getting a bootleg and I don't think that's the reason why it sold as well as it should have, <laughs> but it's a legit Blu-ray. Like there's, it, they didn't cut short on anything. Like it is, this Blu-ray weighs like ten pounds because there's so much shit that's in it. Yeah, like, I, I fucking, back you up on this one, dude. This is a great. Oh scene. yeah, you have to. Yeah, it's like you open it up and just shit just starts falling out. You're like, <laughs> oh my god, like what the fuck? I have acid. Oh my god, I have acid in my fucking Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, it's such a great set, and Jeff Lieberman needs to be celebrated more. Anyway, Couldn't agree I think, more with that. 100%. I think it's because of that remote control Blu-ray that he did. I think he kind of. Like put a bad taste in people's mouth. Even was though that it was a BDR? 
Yeah. Or, oh, was it? I bought it and I, I didn't even notice it was a BDR. I think it's a, I, I believe it's a BDR, <laughs> but I think people thought that's what was happening with Blue Sunshine yeah. because everybody thought everybody thought Synapse was doing it because they released the DVD, you know, and then it was like, oh, Jeff Lieberman's like 4K transfer, and everybody's like, yeah, and then it comes out and they're like, oh, I don't know about if I want to purchase thirty five dollar Blu Ray, but it's totally worth it. It's totally worth the thirty five dollars um, because it's a great package deal. A lot of cool shit in there. Fucking bookmark. It's great. Not that I'd ever use it. Um, it's just cool to have because it's so heavy. You know you have something that's worth something, whether, you know, it's not a fucking eco case that weighs like, you know, nothing, like a fucking feather. But this is heavy as shit. Um, so next up was uh, Olive stepped up their game, and they're starting to do these Olive signature titles, which they're doing four K tra- two to 4K transfers on these films, you know, they have uh, a feminist Western called Johnny Guitar that's really great. Good they shit. just released Macbeth. Um, uh, what was that other film? That, Quiet. Um, Quiet Man. Yeah, Quiet Man they just released. High their Noon. Very, their very first one was High Noon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was super, super excited about it. It looks great. Fucking Gary Cooper is the fucking shit. Um, fucking Grace Kelly, Thomas Mitchell. It's such a great little Western. Um you know, and I just, I love the setup. I love the music. It's, you know, I'm not a big fan of those commercial John Wayne type Westerns that came out. John Wayne and hates I, that movie, by the way. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, I fucking hate John Wayne movies for the most <laughs> part. Like there's a few John Wayne films that I like, but they're all the same. And I think High Noon gets lumped into that. And I'm like, no, High Noon is separate. Like High Noon is so good. Like it's it, it's just all around a great western, and it's set up so much even for spaghetti westerns, like you know of people watching High Noon is like, hey, I want to fucking do that. Like I want to make you know um, you know a fucking guy just facing his fears and like going after the bad guy. I just, I just fucking love all of high noon and, and all of signatures did a great job. Um, and they're, they're really stepping up their game with those. Uh, also grizzly man was another one that they released. That's great. Um, all around great job by them. Um, and then, um, Hills have eyes, which we talked about earlier, but, uh, arrow did a, uh, stand up, uh, um, release of the hills have eyes uh west cravens of course one of his most known uh horror films um of course vinegar syndrome helped out with uh with part of that doing um you know the scan and everything for them there's another reason why it looks so good um but um i mean everybody knows it so i'm not gonna spend any more time on it um and last but not least uh one of my favorites um which comes out of nowhere which is uh, Venom, which is a Klaus Kinski, Oliver Reed film where terrorists kidnap a family and (laughs) a deadly snake gets loose in the fucking house and they have to fend for their lives while fending off each other with this fucking snake, this black mamba that is hunting them down in this fucking house. And that sounds so goofy, but it works so goddamn well. And, um, the fucking relationship between Klaus Kinsey and Oliver Reed, if you know anything behind the film, <laughs> they fucking really hated each other on set. They couldn't stand one another. And that is pouring off the screen between them. 
like they get into a fucking mat and he fucking hits him. Like ever hear that story? Like when Klaus Kinsey hits Oliver Reeve, he hit him for real. And like that stun like moment where he's like, Oh my God, did you just fucking hit me? Is pure, like real like that. All of that's real. And I just fucking love that story. Like, but you can, it helps with the movie so much because they're buddy, buddy in order to take over this family, but they actually end up turning on one another in the, in the film, you know, while they're trying to face off this with this black mamba that's hunting them down. Um, but kind of like an animal attack, like man versus nature type thing as well. But um, just a really good, like, not cat and mouse, but just, you know, one location in the house trying to, you know, fend off police officers, that type of shit. But a really well done movie. But I love it. Blue Underground yeah. did that one. I'm a huge fan of that one, too. I just love, and so is Edgar Wright. Obviously, he did Trails from Hell on it. But um, I just love movies that start off as one thing. And you're like, oh, okay, that's going to be. I mean, obviously, from the cover, you know it's not. But if you didn't know, you're watching it. You're like, oh, it's a kidnapping movie. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. It's a fucking snake attack movie. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I wish more movies would turn on a dime and become something else. That just is my favorite thing. So, but yeah, great, great, uh, great 10. I was really happy with this year. Very cool. I mean, there's so many other ones too. Oh, man. But it's, 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 it's hard. It was hard to whittle down, dude. There was yeah. so much year. shit. And like, I have, I have Creepshow 2 on the way. I have Johnny Darko on the way. And then nice. I have Arrow's, uh, release of The Giver on the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the re-release of uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown on the way. But, yeah, uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown's great. I haven't viewed those yet, so I can't really speak to them. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, but uh, I have a I have a double here. I Brad already mentioned American Horror Project, but um, I I loved it because it helps. It, it almost forces you to discover, you know, three films that you probably a person like me wouldn't seek out. You know what I mean? On their own. So um, I was just blown away by the, the three films that were just each were so different. Um, and I, and I, I loved each one of the films for the in their own way. So that was fun to go through, dis- discover that one. Um, let's see here. Next is the uh, Criterion released Pan's Labyrinth this year. Uh Guillermo del Toro's uh, fantastic films, one of my favorite films of his. But they package them all through all together with the, his earlier films that they've already released, um, Devil's Backbone and Kronos. And I already own those on the, on, on Blu-ray already. But this package that they put together is gorgeous. Uh, it's they call it the uh, Trilogia de Guillermo del Toro, and it's like this box that unfolds and each film is in this its little envelope and in the middle is a book and uh it's just a gorgeous thing so if I means i almost envy people who haven't bought these yet because you're buying it for the first time <laughs> you know but i had to unload my films and get this but pretty beautiful uh pretty great to have all them in one uh in one set next up is turbo kid And, uh, <laughs> Epic we're Pictures, waiting for the follow up for Epic that. Epic Pictures released a, a big, you know, a big old box size. It's almost like the size of a big VHS box, a big, big box. But I love Turbo Kids so much. And the fact that they put so much care into the Blu ray release was kind of icing on the cake. Uh, Turbo Kid is one of those films that, like, I'll be going through and organizing my movies. 
I'll run across Turbo Kid and I'll just stop what I'm doing and I'll pop in Turbo Kid for a little bit. <laughs> it's what, I, I haven't had one of those movies come along in quite some time, but uh, it's one I really love revisiting and, uh, you know, it's fun having, having someone put so much care into, uh, into this Blu-ray package. Although the box is a bit flimsy. So if they would have, uh, done like an arrow box, you know, I'd be a little bit happier. But, you know, it's all about the content, right? Overall. Boils down to I that. guess you're bitching, but <laughs> uh, next we got some arrows to talk about again. Uh, Slugs is on Blu-ray this year. Yeah, oh, good call. That's gigantic. <laughs> I've been talking about Slugs on Blu-ray I think since we started the show. So having this in the best possible format, this goofy ass, uh, just crazy flick. I mean, people are people are like blind buying this, and then they're being like, "What the hell did I buy?" You know, I'm like, "It's it's Slugs. It's a goofy." goofy flick but the fact that arrow did the arrow treatment to slugs uh was just awesome to have so uh at some nights i sleep with this <laughs> another film that i'm so excited to come out on blu-ray uh, that happened this year was chud arrow released that um i've had the blu-ray forever and just having it on the on blu-ray with uh, all the extras was icing on the cake. And then, uh, you know, Chud 2 came out from, uh, from the Vestron, the Lionsgate stuff. So now you can have both Chud movies on Blu-ray. One is much more, uh, well, one is much better than the other. I'll say that. Film-wise, we've talked about Chud 2. Um, where am I at? I always lose track of like how many I've, I've gone through. Uh, next, speaking of Vestron, their release of Chopping Mall, I think, is the one release that you can feel confident that your money is well spent. Um, I love the, uh, the documentary about it. Uh, I think this is one of the only ones that they actually did a full-on remaster. The other ones, I think, are still kind of HD masters, as Brad has mentioned. But, um, it looks fantastic. It's the best I've ever seen, Chopping Mall. Uh, for me, as a fan of the film, the documentary was a lot of fun to go through. So um just really happy with this one. And I was hoping that they would continue. Like, they're bringing some special features, but as we mentioned last time, Brad's kind of – Brad's not happy with the – I'm all about – here's the thing is that but, but all, the my, to, my top uh, 10 Blu-rays were all, like, new transfers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm not as – like, I'm, I understand – People are like, you know, about, you know, uh, special features and shit like that. But it's all about how the movie looks and sounds to me. And it's price points. Like if the Lionsgate yeah. movies cost, you know, fourteen ninety nine, cool. That's fine. I don't mind paying that. But twenty seven ninety nine. Yeah. Get That's out. what I'm saying. Like the uh, chopping mall, like. Chopping Mall is worth did, it because they, they obviously did a new transfer, yeah. and you know Jim Wornowski was very big behind that. That was years coming, yeah. so that's great. But everything else, like waxwork, you, know, you didn't you didn't think the transfer looked great on that? I thought it looked fine. Brad it does. It looks great it. on Voodoo. Oh, there you <laughs> so, go. Like I own it on Voodoo, and I did a, a side by side. Oh, nice. And it doesn't look any better. Okay. It it looks it looks the same. Yeah. Is there even Unless they're doing like new transfers, but there's 
unless the fucking voodoo transfer is like the best they could possibly do, but it looks the same to me. So therefore telling me that's an old transfer because fucking Waxworks has been on HD on voodoo for a couple years now. Yeah. No, it looks, it looks, it looks okay. But Chopping Mall was like a revelation. Yeah. That's, it looks, that's, it that's looks why it's the only, it's the only Vestron title I'm going to give him, put him hey, in the top 10. And, and it's fucking, you know, um, physical media and I want Lionsgate to continue because stuff that's not on voodoo is going to pop up. On there, um, but, 1999. Come on, that just came out on Blu-ray in Germany, son. Hey, we'll talk. We'll talk next week on how it looks. You I already picked it up. All right. Uh, next up, as Brian mentioned, Screen Factory's uh, the thing. They did a, a hell of a job with this. Um, it, it was, and you know what? And they really did a a really good job swapping out the disc because there was there was this minor again a minor audio issue that they swapped out. Um, Really fast, like I, you know, really had no issues with it once I got it and uh, got the replacement disc. But uh, it's, man, it's the best this has ever looked. And having everything in one spot is is great. It's one of my favorite movies. So uh, it's like it's one of those movies I'll probably buy every release that ever comes out. <laughs> but this one's a the, the, someone's gonna have a hard time topping this. It's uh, it's very well done. Uh, next one more arrow. Arrow is on my list a lot this year, but, uh, their box, uh, their release of Bride of Reanimator, uh, is fantastic. Just again, the fact that they would do a, a release, such a, uh, a, such a big release for such a goofy ass movie. Um, it's, it's not the best, you know, it's, it's not as good as Reanimator at all, but it's, there's a lot of fun to be had and it comes with this awesome, um, like graphic novel of uh, Brighter Reanimator, and uh, Brian Usna, Brian Usna for life. <laughs> I was saying, I love Brian Usna. And finally, um, let's see here, Vinegar Syndrome's. Uh, I had to get them on the list. <laughs> they released Jack Frost this year, Blu-ray. <laughs> mm. So uh, automatically, they get to put in my top ten. <laughs> it's another one of those I've been wanting on Blu-ray for, for a long time. That's that's my top ten. There you go. Love cool. it. Good stuff. But this year, man, it's a lot of good stuff this year. And there's a lot I haven't even got to around to watching yet, you know, uh, that came out this year. So it's tough. Tough Keep- tough to uh, to whittle everything down for sure. Yeah, dude, when I was putting together my silly, like, gift guide, the disc version on my blog, it, it was just, like, crazy how long it was. I was breaking it up by genre, and I was still like, oh, my God, there was so much good stuff, yeah. and this isn't even everything. So well, I feel like my buying habits, for sure, are are definitely changing, and I'm focusing on these, you know, these companies and these releases more than anything else, like... I just went through all my, like, I'm going over, like, genre by genre trying to clear out all the stuff that I've watched, watched once and probably will never watch again. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm done buying brand new movies, you know, because. Good for you, Sean. In the, because I went through all my dramas, because I'm all separated by dramas, and I'm pulling out all these movies that came out with the past couple of years that were Oscar contenders, and I'm like, I'm never going to watch this again. Move it to the cell pile, you know. Throw, throw away your copy of Fever Pitch. <laughs> uh, I don't own Fever Pitch, <laughs> but throw away all your Farley Brothers movies. <laughs> not Kingpin, man. Come on, not Kingpin. Uh, not a fan um, of Kingpin. Oh. But you know, but but <laughs> oh. my point is, like, 
with these releases, like who knows how how much longer physical media really is going to be in the forefront here, and how how much longer these I mean these companies are probably going to be going on for quite some time. So it's like I want to reward them for their work. New like new movies, like you know, unless it's something I really love, like why would I spend twenty bucks? You know what I mean? Twenty twenty bucks on a, on a new film. I can probably rent it and watch it once and be fine. You know, it's, it's, it's my buying habits over the past few years have slowly been changing and just kind of going through everything again. It's like, I'm realizing like, I, I want to put my hard earned dollars towards like arrow towards, um, you know, Severin synapse, like all these companies that are in vinegar syndrome for sure. And scream factory. Let's be honest. They're, 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 they're getting things done. Um, and it's just, a you know, there's just so much good stuff and, and that came out this year. Like, who knows? You know, already we're seeing some amazing announcements for next year. So it's just like all my, I think all I'm going to be buying is, you know, from these companies from here on out, probably. I don't know. It's, it's a very exciting time. It's, it doesn't look rambling? to be slow. My rambling or is Brad, are you getting tired? <laughs> I am fucking tired, dude. It's two in the morning here. Yeah. He's got to suck it up. Jesus. <laughs> Cool. Well, yeah, this show has run long. Thank you. Thank all of you for hanging out. <laughs> Thank you for, for making this happen. Brian, where can people find you on the internet? Um, they can find me at Bob Freelander on Twitter and RupertPumpkinSpeaks.com. Uh, those are my, my, my two biggest hangouts. I'm on Rupert Pumpkin Speaks on Instagram, too. I'm pretty active there, but that's me. Very cool. And I have off the shelf too. Oh yeah, and off the shelf. Uh, we've been a little irregular with our release schedule uh, around the holidays here, but uh, hopefully we'll be going strong next year. Very cool. You can find all of our social media links over at thescreamcast.com. Uh, check out the store. We got some pins, pins for sale. So check those out if you would like to uh, to you know support the show. Also, there's a donate donate link if you feel led to throw a few bucks our way. But oh, what we really want you guys to do is check out our sponsors, give them some love, throw your hard-earned dollars towards some uh, some good shit. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome uh, releases for sure, and uh, GrindhouseVideo.com. Please send uh, you know give give Mike first look over right there whenever you're browsing for films, and uh, he's he's kicking ass. Like he really, really is. I'm really impressed with what he's been doing this past uh, couple of years. And, uh, of course, all of our other, other sponsors, Coffee Shop of Horrors, uh, check out music by Wolfman of Mars and artwork by Kevin Spencer. And all of you guys have a fantastic week. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.